floor, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hey, Chase. Hey, Chris. How you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Guess what? Mm, let me think. Uh, where's my bell? Big show today, Chase. Where's my bell? I found it. Uh, episode you know, 100. No, no, today is a different title. Hmm? We cannot merely call it episode 100. We don't know. This is Unfilter Century Edition. <laughs> oh, jeez. This really? This is a thing? This is Unfilter Century Edition. So this is a thing we're doing? Yes, it is. This okay. is Century Edition. Okay. <laughs> now, now you guys, now this is only appropriate for the live viewers. Oh, okay. So don't this, tell anybody else. This part only. Yeah, so knock it off, everybody else. So a lot of you guys, a lot of you supporters, a lot of you Patreons out there know that uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash unfiltered. I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, here's the thing, Chris. Uh, okay. Can you uh, bring up my screen on their screen? Sure. Right here. All right. So uh, right now, you guys, we are living in historic times. Don't waste it. Here are the historic times right now. We are at episode century. And we have 250 lovely patrons, which is great. Hold on. That deserves a bell, too. However. However. Centennial edition. Centennial edition. However, we have secret plans that we want to reveal. That we would be forced to reveal. That we would be forced to reveal. Should if, that funding Should reach. that level get to 2,500. You think it'll get to 2,500 in this episode? It's possible. Huh. I mean, when we started earlier today, it was very, very possible. Well, we'll see. All, all I'm saying is this. If it got to that, by the time we say, this is unfiltered, episode century for Wednesday, June 4th, this is unfiltered. 2014. Episode, I'm not saying episode century. I'm not saying. No, centennial edition. You can say that, too. What if I did, this is episode one fucking hundred, y'all? Like, it just get crazy. We, we need to do it together, then. Uh, all right, uh, so we got to do we a pre. Do that too. We got we got we got pre-show clips. We got to get into. We got some pre-show stuff. So lots um, of stuff. Gosh, so much stuff. Well, so much stuff. So much stuff. It's such a big show. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, well, I think maybe we'll start sort of furthest away from our show, and then we'll sort of work our way in. Uh, hey, wait. Do you have a clip in here about Glenn Beck and gaming? Please tell me you do. Please tell me you do. No, I was. I, I actually have not been. I kind of <gasps> have slowed down on following him. He I, blamed. He blamed games again. That's not new, though. Yeah, but he went off on the newest game of Watch Dogs. Well, I kind of. Uh, he's so frustrating to listen to. I just kind of stopped clipping him because uh, he just thinks so highly of himself. He thinks so highly of himself, and it's just. And it's he talks hard to into listen. a very nice ribbon microphone. Well, it's a very a, nice mic. He has a very... Uh, uh, the a, microphone's nice. No, he doesn't have one mic. Do you not see him? No, no. He uses like he uses like a dozen different mics. He's oh. got like a whole... Well, like, well, if you type in Watch Dogs Glenn Beck, you'll see it. All right, I'm going to go look. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, in fact, in every one of these clips, he's using a different mic. Uh, Glenn Beck, what am I looking for? Tell me Glenn again. Glenn Beck, Watch Dogs. Glenn Beck... Watch Dogs. Is that D-A-W-O-G-S. <laughs> oh. Violent video games. Uh, from one week ago? Uh, yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah. Or here's uh, Glenn Beck versus Watch Dogs from four days ago. Uh, What's the difference? Watch Dogs no, teaching kids to hack no, from no, five that, days. That's so just a week result. ago. It's probably the top result. Yeah, okay. All right. So let's Paying attention to it. But um, the thing that I want to talk to you here is the conversation that we're not having 
and the conversation that we're not having as a culture uh, is the role of the Internet and uh, uh, the busyness of our lives and by these the way, video games in particular. Very nice microphone, by the way. Uh, my flash might crash. I don't know if that was fixed or not. I, I have I have uh, I installed an update that just got this thing all wound up. Uh, yeah, well, I think that's not just that mic, though. I mean, I think they've got some serious processing on that. Oh, I bet, but it's yeah. a very nice mic. Um, I saw it on how it's made. Yeah, and uh, it's his best one out of all the ones. Yeah, he I goes agree. Through. Yeah. I agree. Now uh, that's technical aside. Now to the bullshit. Blur. Um, let me give you this story. A coroner has expressed great concern over the violent video game Call of Duty after four teenagers who regularly played went to kill themselves. John Pollard claims the um, uh, Certificate 18 game, which includes graphic scenes of soldiers killing each other, had, f- had featured in several inquests he had presided over. This is in England. He's a coroner. A warning came after a hearing in the death of a schoolboy, William Menzies, who was always playing the game. That's in quotation marks. The 16-year-old, who was studying A-levels in biology, physics, uh, politics, and psychology at one of Britain's top grammar schools, had shown no signs of depression or distress before his sudden death. In March 2012, another teenager, Callum Green, uh, hanged himself after playing Call of Duty with his stepfather. The game had also been linked to the deaths of two other unnamed teenagers. Hey, Recording Chris, a suicide verdict at Will- You know what one of the one most top video games of all time is? Um, Call of Duty? Call of effing duty. Are you saying that it's almost just so prolific that it's impossible to narrow it down to just that one game because so many people have it, Chase? Right, I mean, and we all know that Call of Duty trains people for... Uh, for, for shooting, right? I mean, it's a real gun. I knew that. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you feel the recoil. You, you're I, looking down the actual sights. I Call of Duty. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a killer. Totally. Yeah. yeah let's hear more from uh, from Glenn. Glenn. William's inquest. Mr. Pollard said, I have to say, and this is after three or four inquests into deaths of teens, the Call of Duty game seems to be figuring in recent activity just before death, and it concerns me greatly. You know, what I don't understand about Beck is if he's truly, if the Blaze is... He knows he's spewing out BS. If the Blaze is truly independent media, then why is he not bringing up the, far, far, the fartaceuticals? Why is he not bringing up the fact that in, in, when you go through and you actually research these shooting cases, these kids are all on pharmaceuticals? All you, of them. You, you know why, Chris? What, why is... Can, I'm raising my hand here. I can tell but you. He, I, don't I have an answer. He's not sponsored by pharmaceuticals, as far as I well, know. Well, no, his funding structure has changed. I don't really, I'm not really familiar with what it is. I mean, he, he tried to get by with donations, whatever, but now he's got really big I know big he has donors. actual sponsors now. He has now big sponsors now, yeah. yeah. And uh, I believe one of them is the NRA. So yes, they're obviously okay. trying to detract, uh, de- uh, de- you know, uh, uh, what's the word? Distract, sorry. The oh, he's just trying to the- represent his client's point of view. Exactly. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can't believe, I mean, he goes on here and there's some more crap. Should I play a few more minutes? Yeah, please do. It is figured in a number of deaths, which I am investigating. I suspect, but I don't know because I don't have enough evidence, that William may have been experimenting with something or deliberately intending to do something, but I haven't got the evidence. There is no note or indication that it was feeling down or distressed at all. Call of Duty produced by Activision as warfare game, blah, 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 blah. Sold 100 million copies around the world. Wow! Uh, but it has been dogged by controversy with his violent content, um, criticized by the London Jewish Forum, the British Muslim Forum, and Church of England. Um, don't forget that, remember the massacre in um, Norway? 
mm-hmm. um, where 77 people were killed. Do you remember what he said? No. He was trained to kill with Call of Duty and other video games. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Mm-hmm. that? Did he also say he was trained to kill by comics, Glenn? <laughs> we immediately had the gun talk here in America that we talked about the guns. Nobody talked about the, 70, the 77 people that were killed by a guy who said, I was trained to kill by playing these video games. Now, why do you suppose it is? First of all, people did talk about it. And second of all, those people were all called idiots. Maybe that has something to do with it. Now, try this. This is a story that um, is actually coming out of Montreal. And... It's about um, Ubisoft, which is a um, software company for video games. They do Assassin's Creed, um, et cetera, right, et cetera. They have right. a new one that is oh, that is coming out. Here's the... Um, and the new one... What is it, It's a cool game, too. These games are so seductive. All right, guys. All right. You know what? They sound old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He hadn't even gotten to his main point yet, and I'm like, I'm done with him, Chase. I'm do- I just don't like listening to him for that long. All right. Okay. All right. So why don't we continue on this the thread of rampant consumerism with uh, some... Have you heard of the term data brokers before? Uh, yeah, don't they like exchange personal information? This clip's going to go into it a little bit about how data brokers, data brokers are becoming a huge business and uh, it's all over the web, everywhere. We know sites like Amazon track our purchases to figure out what we like to buy. But online marketers are starting to collect information that, at first glance, would seem to have nothing to do with shopping preferences. For instance, um, whether someone had been a victim of a sexual assault, whether someone has a gambling problem, whether someone has a certain kind of, uh, it's been treated for a certain kind of disease. Grieving father Mike Say of Chicago recently received a mailing from OfficeMax addressed to his name along with the phrase, daughter killed in car crash. Why would they have that kind of information? Why would they need that? What, what purpose does it serve anybody to know that? And how much more information, if they have that, do they have on me? Office Max blamed an unnamed third party, a data broker. The data these brokers use is being collected constantly online, and selling it has become a $150 billion industry. This browser plugin, Lightbeam, shows me the sites I'm currently viewing, and also all the third party sites that are tagging along, wow. wrapping up information with every click. That's put out by the Mozilla Project. I covered it on last ones before. So I don't know if you caught the number, $150 billion industry for these data brokers. So that's Incredible. what kind of that's the kind of economics at play here. Axiom, one of the largest data brokers, has information on about 700 million consumers worldwide, with about 1,500 data points per person. The Direct Marketing Association declined to be interviewed for this story. What's interesting about this, too, is we always think about this in kind of a regional thing. Oh, the NSA has this data, blah, blah, blah. But these... These data brokers are worldwide, so they're tracking customers beyond the bounds of borders of maps. But they and the data brokers they represent insist they can be trusted to sell our data responsibly. We always have audit procedures in all of those situations to know how they're using that data and what they're using it for. And it is strictly limited to marketing purposes. One of the marketing purposes that is just starting to emerge from this massive trove of personal data is something called first-degree price discrimination, basically personalized pricing. The seller is able to collect so many data points about you 
that they're able to determine somehow, perhaps through uh, data mining, your exact willingness to pay for a certain item. Whoa. Imagine you want to sell wow. a product for $10. Customer A pays and goes home happy. This is going to be huge. I can already see this is going to be a huge gimmick. They're going to come up with some sort of great name for it. Dynamic customer pricing. But customer B only has $6 to spare. So what you need to do is somehow model your own online profile so you look really poor. That way you get discounts everywhere you shop. And customer C would pay as much as 16 Flat pricing means you make 20 bucks and lose a customer. So, a.k.a. visit Dell.com, not Apple.com. Personalized pricing means making $12 more and serving them all. The advantage to a company is clear, but the new flood of data that may allow this kind of pricing is shifting marketing in other ways oh. as well. We're seeing a real change in online marketing from... Um, matching you to your interests, which is what profiling has been about until recently, um, to actually assembling what um, researchers have been calling a, a persuasion profile of you. It's basically using data to figure out how you can be best persuaded. What if your data indicates you're not just buying a flight for vacation, but to visit your sick mother? then it indicates you might be persuaded to pay a higher price. Now, the idea that Dirty. you can um, that you can reach people at a time when they're most vulnerable seems to be a logical consequence of figuring out your consumer's persuasion profile. Though this may strike people as unfair, in terms of legal regulation, it's uncharted territory. There's very little in terms of uh, price discrimination being outright illegal. But creating new regulations would be tough because all this new data crunching is so complex, the human brain just can't tease apart the cause and effect of it. It works because we tried a bunch of possibilities and based on historical data, this type of algorithm has been shown to work well. That's the essence of machine learning. We can't explain to a human policymaker why these algorithms work, just that they do. So we can't really know which data points are race, gender, health history, might cause us to see a certain price or special offer. And the challenge now, amid this murky sea of data, is to find the line between marketing purposes and market manipulation. In Washington, D.C., Karina Stenquist, RT. It's a fascinating thing that's developing around us based on our data. And I've read a book, which I'm beginning to agree with more and more, that said 20, 30 years from now, our data, our the information we generate will be considered one of our most personal and uh, most valuable assets. And that's why, unfortunately, on a lot of websites that I visit, I use a lot of blockers, ad blockers, cookie blockers, and that sort of thing, because I don't want to be tracked in any way like that. Um, I understand that I, it's not 100% foolproof, and I know there's some things that get out there and stuff, but... Um, I mean, what are we supposed to do? How do we uh, shut that stuff down? Well, you just got to be savvy, and you can use that extension, uh, the light beam extension, to kind of get an idea. And wow, it's incredible. Uh, I think there'll be great ways to hack the system, like the chat room says. There'll be browser extensions that make you look poor and stuff. Uh, are you familiar with the whole like uh, how how Congress is intentionally bankrupting the postal system and making it look bad? Well, we I, I've talked about it many yeah. times. Basically, the the thing is this: they are the only government entity that is forced. They are forced by law to fund their pensions, I believe, 70? 75, it's seven, I believe it's 75 okay. years. Okay. They have to forward fund pensions right. 75 years. Right. They're the only government entity that has to do that. Right. However, 
if they didn't have to do that, right. they would be profitable today. So I've got a clip here where Abby goes through it. Should we play it or should we just leave it for the sink? What do you think? No, let's play it. You want it? You First want it? of Abby's. That, Abby. Yeah, and we kind of and maybe it'll bring people up to speed that aren't familiar with it because I think yeah. the U.S. Postal Service has this really bad reputation. And I think one thing to remember is uh, the U.S. Postal Service is essentially one of the few constitutionally protected communication methods we have in the United States. So uh, if we were to replace it with private industry, the constitutional protections there would be null and void. You don't have them when you use UPS or FedEx. So let's take a listen to this for a little bit, and uh, if we want to bail on it, we can. Uh, but I think there could be some interesting information there for folks that aren't totally up to speed on this whole situation. Yeah! Yeah! Not trashy at all! Breaking news, guys. I'm Another breaking American some, what? institution is teetering on the edge of collapse. See, last week, the USPS reported a nearly $2 billion loss for the quarter. And while people point to the rise of digital communication as the main factor, behind the scenes, there's a far more insidious reason that the USPS is standing on its last legs. Here to break it all down, RT political commentator Sam Sachs. What's Hello. going on, man? Sam What's Sachs! Right? So what did Congress do back in 2006 to put the U.S. Postal Service in such dire straits? Well, they passed this law called the Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act. What the bill basically did is it forced the post office to set up this new retiree health benefits program, which seems all well and good, set up this program to uh, fund health benefits for future retirees. Unfortunately, they required the post office to fund it 75 years into the future, God. essentially paying for benefits for people who haven't even been born yet or people who are babies and have no thought about working for the post office yet. <laughs> and that means that the post office suddenly has to pay five, and the, and the law required the post office to pre-fund this huge benefit that goes 75 years in the future in a matter of just 10 to 15 years. Now, so when the post office has Can I uh, fry some conspiracy bacon? Sure, man. You wanted, you want me to get the bacon out? Usually, yeah. You usually fry it, uh, but I'm going to fry some okay. this week sure, for, for our 100 episode. Okay, and by the way, can you uh, let us have... Where, where's this bacon from? Chase, this bacon comes from Cash and Carry of Everett, Washington, from, that's right, Daddy's Farm. They're, not, usu they're not usually known for, for, for bacon, but hey. Daddy's enough. Farm. So my theory on this, you guys, and I know this might not be a far-fetched conspiracy, mm -hmm. but I would say follow the money, go back to 2006, and see some of these large contributions, because we know these acts don't come out of thin air. We, right, exactly. We know that there's usually major companies. Now, I have no confirmation Maybe of this. They might get, I, haven't watched, I have not watched beyond this part of the clip. Neither, they, neither am I. They Maybe might get into they this. They might get into us. Yeah. But I believe, I feel that... Deep down inside, Chase? Deep down inside. Okay, all right. That you have companies like FedEx yeah. and UPS yeah. would love, they would love nothing more right. to take over right. the system, right. bring it private so well, they can jack there, up prices. There's always, there's always a compelling and reasoned argument to privatize a lot of things. Yeah. So there's always that argument. There's always the other side of the argument that can be compelling. Let's play a little more. Or are you done? Do you want to No, no, on? we'll play a little okay. more. But, right. I, but I honestly believe that the whole purpose of this act was to get the USPS to a point where they would get right. so bad right. that... Congress is going to come up to the table and say, well, we're going to have to get rid of the USPS. We're right. just, we just can't do it. We can't afford it anymore. I mean, it seems so, it seems so obvious on its face that if you're going to force somebody but a to pre-fund... Here's the thing. A lot of people... Because they, they, they don't know that bit of the detail. They, they don't just, realize they just, it. They just think and, the postal and the office is... And the traditional media is very, very quick to right. hide that fact. They just say they're running out of money. They're in, yeah. they're in the red. That because of internet communications. Right. But right. if they got rid of this prepaid function thing... Oh, God. And they point out, by the way, that if they didn't have to do the prepaid pension... They actually would have been turning a profit, even in like 2008 yeah. and 2009 during the yeah. economic downturn. They still would have been turning a profit yeah, if they because, weren't doing the pre. -funding. I mean, I, I think it would have been like the, one of the few 
organization is turning a profit. I might have told you about this. You know, this past year I went to CES, was out there. USPS had a huge booth at CES. The reason why was about logistics, was about the systems that they were implementing yeah. to better track for product shipments and stuff. They're being very competitive out there. Yeah. And when I hear about this crap, because this yeah. is just... Actually, uh, historically, in the history of the United States, the U.S. Postal Service has done some extremely innovative things. Very innovative. Yeah. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's worth looking into. Let's play a little so more. So Sam, Sam, talk Sam to me, to Sam. What I'm to do is spend $5 billion every year contributing to this fund, a requirement that no other government agency or business has ever had I to said comply that, with. Sam. And what Thanks, you see Sam. is, in 2006, the post office is making money. And they've been profitable for the last four years as well. 2006 was the peak uh, mail volume year for the post office. But this law is passed requiring them to contribute $5 billion every year. And what you see after that is they lose $5 billion. And they continue losing uh, year in and year out from there. And you start hearing these calls suddenly from conservatives saying, we need to privatize the post office. This is a disaster. I, it's, just, it's actually really devastating, Sam, as someone who mails a lot of artwork out. Is FedEx like paying these congressmen to pass these outrageous bills? I just don't. Is there like a FedEx lobby? And I mean, and of course, privatization is always this this argument that it's good for you know let's put it in the free market. Think, However, for this subject, it's not better. Right, and I think privatization is. A lot of these people are saying the word privatization, but that's not really the right word because the, the post office is not a government agency. It's self-funded. It relies on stamps to to finance all of its costs. So when they say privatization, they're making everyone think that it's some agency that's funded by taxpayers, funded by the government. Not true at all. What they really want is corporatization. Mm -hmm. What they really want is you see the post office, it's got a half million unionized workers, they all collect pretty decent wages, and the, you see these, these uh, vulture capitalists want to get their hands on this billion dollar, multi-billion dollar year industry of mail. So FedEx and UPS that have high overhead costs to pay CEOs and that are in the process, yes, UPS and FedEx have unions, but these are private sector companies and we see the way the private sector unions are going. So once you can move over in that direction, you can start crushing those unions as well. So I see it more as corporatization, what's going on here. How can people make more money off mailing? Uh, letters are across Right, the wages are clearly lower, et cetera. I wanted to play a clip from Representative Peter DeFazio talking about this. Uh, really interesting. Sure. I guess we'll become the first developed nation on earth without a postal service, just like we're the only uh, developed industrial nation on earth without universal health care. We're the best. <laughs> I love that. What can we do to save this national treasure, Sam? Easy. You changed this uh, law that yeah. was passed in 2006. Yeah. You, uh, ease that burden of $5 billion a year the post office has to pay every year. Plus, there's been a report showing that they've paid anywhere between 25 and $75 billion overpayment to a retirement system that the Treasury Department owes them. Fix these accounting things and the post office will be profitable. Yep. Instead, you see lawmakers uh, looking to end six-day delivery, cut to five-day delivery, uh, closing lots of post offices, laying off massive workers, all the wrong idea. It's yep. really unfortunate. We need, to, we need to step up. Sam Sachs, really appreciate you. It, it, it's, it's a big faff. To, to steal a term from the UK. And it's one of those situations where I actually like the Postal Service as well. And I ship items. I've, I've shipped many overnight items and next day air items, and that's the same thing. Right, um, I feel bad for spending so much time on such a US-centric topic. I feel like we should move on. Because it's, well, it's not applicable to at least 30% of our audience. I feel bad now. So it's 70%? I know. See, so you're looking at the small number. I look at <laughs> no, the big number. I know. I know. I just feel bad. Don't feel bad. Snowden's a worldwide thing, right? 
Well, he's, I mean, but yeah. he, he, I mean, he's U.S. Yeah, but he revealed a ton of stuff about worldwide spying. Right? That's true. But we all knew everybody was spying on everybody. I'm gonna play a clip in the show about something that was. I got a cut. I got a cut scene from the Brian Williams interview. Oh, okay. And I think I got another cut scene. I actually don't remember what this clip is because this has been a crazy week. Uh, launched a new show this week. I don't know if you knew. So uh, crazy. Week. Never heard of it. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, let me see here. Is this former NSA con? Oh yeah. Oh 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 right 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 right. So CBS. CBS had to be really, you know, it's awkward for them, Chase, because NBC got this major exclusive, right? Yeah, they right? got a huge so land. How does, you know, how does CBS appropriately handle this the next day when the entire world is talking about this interview? Tractor Edward Snowden says he is not under the control of the Russian government and hasn't given Russia any intelligence documents. Snowden also talked with NBC about the toll on American privacy from the U.S. government's surveillance program. CBS News National Security Analyst Juan Zorate. Now, um, I don't know. Maybe we could almost get a if, – if, if you're – okay. If you're drinking at home as you watch the Unfilter show for episode 100 – gosh, I wish we had shots. You should take a sh- – although we get too drunk to do the show. You should take a shot every time this guy uses a disproven talking point, one that we have already decimated All on right, the show. I, I got my bell ready. Hold on. Okay. All, right. All right. Hold on. Sir, I'm the President George W. Bush. He's in Washington. Juan, good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Uh, Edward Snowden, Glenn Glenn Grinwald, and others make this point that there has been no damage to the United States and to any person. Has there? And that would be based on the fact that not a single uh, uh, instance has been cited other than we are noticing a change in their communication patterns, which is... Bullshit. By the way, Bit Puffin uh, did ca- uh, catch it. Yeah, Glean Grenwell. Yeah, he also stumbled on this guy's. In the two names he said in a row, he got wrong. Now, I know I'm not Mr. Name Pronunciation. Poor Charlie, though. He's having a tough time these days. I've watched a lot of Charlie this week. and uh, I know what of, you're doing. I know what you're doing. The highlight of Charlie's week was when John Oliver stopped by. But other than that, Charlie was basically a zombie. All you week. are gunning for Charlie's position. <laughs> Telling the That's truth when they doing. make that point? I don't think they are, and I think they're ignoring uh, the evidence. I think evidence. Uh, officials uh, from the intelligence community have made very clear that the terrorists have changed the way that they're communicating. The, the silence, in some ways, is deafening. Um, you all have also had very important damage to our alliances and relationships with Germany and Brazil. Remember, because it's not the fact that we were spying that damaged the relationships. It's the fact that Snowden leaked them that damaged the relationships. That's like uh, when, uh, you know, like, like, like that's like when I punish the kid for something that's really the parent's fault. It's ridiculous. Right. Uh, we know that there are going to be billions of dollars spent on reengineering because the Chinese and Russians have started to look at these documents and are uh, engineering around them. And there's been significant damage to the private sector. The Silicon Valley is affected by all this. So I actually would say that's true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, like uh, companies like Cisco. Yeah. Yeah. To suggest that there is no evidence of damage is just to ignore the fact. But that would also suggest, again, it's not Snowden's fault that the NSA is intercepting Cisco routers, opening them up, installing chips, and then shipping them to China, and China found out. Let's be honest, China already knew. In fact, let's be honest, the terrorists already knew they were being monitored. Everybody knew how this worked. How do you think the drones are getting their metadata to go kill people with cell phones in their pockets? Everybody already figured this out except for the dumb, stupid public because we're too stupid and trusting of our government. So, of course, all of this is Snowden's fault. It's all Snowden's fault. Not that we did it. He leaked the information that shouldn't have been leaked. Yeah, honey, I screwed her at work every single day at lunch, but it's not my fault. She's really good looking. Hey, hey, Angela's not listening, right? I don't think so. Okay, fair enough. That's the logic. Yeah, it's the same logic. Yeah, absolutely. One Secretary of State John Kerry on our air yesterday called him a traitor. Um, And uh, Edward Snowden said last night he believes he's a patriot. 
He says also that he's serving his government because in the wake of his disclosures, all three branches of government have in fact made reforms. Oh. Does he make a point? Well, he does have a point that he has sparked a debate uh, in terms of the limits of these capabilities, uh, what those uh, limits should look like, and there have been some reforms. But uh, I would. Yeah, that's a better. That's Bit Puffin puts it better. It's more like I had an affair, but I didn't do anything wrong until the girl told my wife about my <laughs> affair. That's that's more. Yeah. Yeah. Argue that to spark that debate by stealing thousands of documents, the majority of which have nothing to do with purported domestic spying probably not the right way of doing it and certainly not stealing them and leaving for Hong Kong and then Moscow. He says he wants to come home. Are, they, are you aware of any negotiations to bring him back to the United States? Well, he clearly has a legal team. Uh, they're going to be in discussions with the Department of Justice. Uh, I think it's going to be very hard uh, to see a clemency deal at this stage, at least, Charlie, because in part, the government doesn't quite know what documents are still out there and what will be released. Uh, there's also still a, a lingering question of collusion. Has oh. he worked with any intelligence services? Ooh. He seems to say no, uh, but I think he there seems... are those in the U.S. government who have their suspicions. Yeah. Juan, thank you. Of course. Thank you so much, yeah. Juan. Thanks for the biased info. Uh, yeah, how horrible was that? That was like just a recap of everything we've already sort of uh, uh, hey, taken remember, down point hey, by Remember, point. Chris, this is for the morning news. This is before you get out the door, you need to find out everything that's happening with Snowden in two minutes. I'm going to jump around on this next clip, so I hope it's not too annoying. This is not Mike Rogers, not your buddy. This is Michael Rogers, the new director of the NSA who replaced uh, 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 um, Alexander, Keith Alexander. Right. So uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit because we're going to play a clip from this in the main show. But I wanted you guys to see more, a little bit of his body language and behavior in this discussion. So when we're talking about in the show, you guys have a little more context when about asked, this clip. Um, I am watching foreign nations, groups. All right, let me tweak this a little bit and then we'll jump, at, we'll jump around. And saying we need to change the way we operate. The Americans have insight here. We need to do something differently. He's talking about how the terrorists now know we're monitoring them like they didn't know before. So you think that potential threats are operating differently because of what I am. They oh, the video locked up on I me. Mean, this is, by the way, the first time we've heard uh, comments from the new director uh, of the NSA um, uh, 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 about anything about Snowden. Anything regarding the Snowden. And conveniently, the video is locking up. Oh, there it goes. Must be encrypted. Well, when sometimes asked, uh, when I jump around in these videos, these particular MP4s, uh, VLC don't like it too much. Uh, so you, uh, so I, I want to just show you this. So his body language, you can see he's a little, he's getting a little hunched, but she continues to ask. She's from Bloomberg. We're going to play a clip from her in the show. Important to explore right There's now. There's plenty of theories. Get out of the country, Clearly, we're going to need to run it all the ground. You know, my comma would be, just be part of the dialogue. If you believe in this, use the power of the law and the structures of our society to make your case. He sounds frustrated. The answer is not for any one of us to unilaterally decide that I'm the all-knowing oracle hey, who hey, knows Hey, I know everything. you don't like to jump around, but didn't, didn't Snowden, didn't we talk about this, didn't he actually contact his superiors? Didn't he send an email, and then they denied I, that he did? I actually and think that's then, what they're about to talk about. Maybe next we have a clip that's in the show that's going to talk okay, about Okay, all right. That I'm in the best position to decide what is right or wrong. Be leery of a society in which everyone unilaterally can do that. We love to quote you the do. Constitution. That you do. document provides a framework for us as to how we're going to organize as a government, as well as how we're going to settle disputes through this framework we call the law. How is it that a guy like Ed Snowden 
gets essentially kicked out of the CIA. There was a derogatory report. Now, this is this is one of the best questions that we have ever heard a reporter ask one of the NSA officials. In fact, I probably should have put this in the main show. I'm going to risk backing it up because it's such a damn good question. And then listen to the disrespectful response and essentially sexist response that he gives her. It's through this framework we call the law. How is it that a guy like Ed Snowden gets essentially kicked out of the CIA. There was a derogatory report written about him, uh, concerns that he was trying to break into systems at the CIA, and then he winds up working for the NSA. I, I mean, in terms of background checks, what's done, what needs to change so you don't have another Edward Snowden? I mean, I already have members of the workforce saying, now let me understand this. I haven't done anything wrong. And yet you're taking increased security measures. Hey, why am I paying the price for this? You're doing this right now right. at the NSA. Why should... Now, okay, it's not, I guess it wasn't... It's coming up. Why, it, she, he gets frustrated because uh, what was going on this week, and I, I tried to get clips for it, but I just ran out of time, is different government officials, uh, the director of the FBI, the new director of the NSA, were coming out talking to CEOs about how... GD important cybersecurity is. So he's up on stage not to talk about Snowden. In fact, he actually opens up saying, I refuse as, as director of the NSA to allow this Snowden incident to define the NSA. It is my mission to move us beyond that. So he doesn't want to talk about this at all. He wants to scare everybody about China, scare everybody about cybersecurity, but she's not letting up. I be questioned because of the actions of one individual. So it's always about trying to find that, that balance. Mm -hmm. Now, at some point, I hope, in our time, we're actually going to talk about cybersecurity. We will. We will. Well, of course we will. Because we are but rapidly I, running out I, of time I, there, young I, lady. I, <laughs> I feel like that's inappropriate to say to a, a, to a reporter, a professional reporter young like lady. that. We are running out of time, young lady. Yeah. Uh, I want to play that back because you can see he's frustrated because he wants to plug his thing. He doesn't want to have to do, uh, answer these hard questions. And now she's starting to ask some actually good questions. It's always about trying to find that, that balance. Mm -hmm. Now, at some point, I hope, in our time, we're actually going to talk about cybersecurity. We will. We will. Well, of course we will. Because we are but rapidly I, running I, out I, of time I, there, young lady. I, I, <laughs> now, the only thing that could be better is if he then refers to himself in the third person next. Um, but it, you got to love that curious. direct part about Emma Rogers. He <laughs> always is very direct. It, it, it's, it's just curious that, that, that it seems as though one agency is not necessarily talking to the other. Because couldn't you have learned this is a guy who, who's got something on his record? Right. I mean, don't get already. me wrong. Clearly, we wish we had known that. But um, on the other hand, again, he was a contractor. He wasn't an employee of ours. Now, he had access to our system, so don't get me wrong. We granted him access. Um, Are you 100% confident that you have no Edward Snowdens in your ranks right now? Would I ever? I would never tell you that. <laughs> I mean, my question would be, what idiot would mm -hmm. say something like that? So um, what have you changed? There are a few, um, there are a few certainties in the world. Um, so how about that cybersecurity piece? Could we really get... We, we will talk about I got, I got really one more question for you, though. He does not want to talk about nope. that. Nope. He's there to sell, man. He's not there to actually answer the hard questions. That's not what they do. And that just that just that makes it so clear right there. How dare she actually ask some actually good questions? Honestly, I haven't heard anybody else ask that question. And great answer that we got from him, huh? Sarcasm. Yeah, he was a real jerk, wasn't he? Wow. Don't you think? Uh, you know, I came across like a bit of you know. A, there's I mean, a lot of great military officers out there that yeah, I've known, yeah, yeah. Sure, and they're sure. very well respectful, and they're very good. 
and there are a couple out there that are like that guy. He's who, a bold. He probably just, just want. He wants everybody to know I'm a bulldog. I'm a bulldog. You come at me, I'll come right back at you. Wow. Um, okay, so I got just a couple more clips. There'll be more in the supporters sync. Um, you know, when you're on Chase, I love to play the uh, economy clips. So economy looking real bad. So you know what we're going to pull out of the bag? You know that bag of tricks that worked really well? All you dummies believed it last time? Blame it on the weather. And the harsh weather this past winter is getting much of the blame for a slowdown. Oh, Nora. I'm going to I'm gonna take off these headphones and I'm just going to run out of the studio and scream. Yeah, I mean, I, do, you this, want, do you want me to skip it? No, no, play it. Because Are you sure? I, I don't want I, you to get upset. I, lo- I love this crap. All right, okay. Go ahead. Okay, all right, all right, all right. All right, okay, all right. In our economy, first quarter growth had been estimated at a paltry one-tenth of one percent. Today, the government said it was even worse. The economy was actually shrinking at a rate of one percent. Anthony Mason is here. So, Anthony, what's going on? Well, it's the first time since 2011, Nora, that the economy's actually shrunk. All that snow and ice froze business. But most economists believe it sets the economy up for a strong rebound this quarter. And there are some encouraging signs in the numbers. First, consumer spending, which drives two-thirds of the economy, was strong in the first three months, up just over 3%. More importantly, initial unemployment claims for the week dropped sharply. The four-week average has now fallen from just under 350... Stop it there. You know why? Um, yes. Okay, now, to be fair, to be fair, this is initial unemployment claims. These are ongoing claims, okay? Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So, so, okay. but, but we haven't had this low amount of people actually in the workforce, I believe, since the Great Depression. I, I think that could be right, yeah. I believe that's correct. Yeah. As far as the, the amount of people who are, are actively working. Yeah. So, yeah. when there's not a lot of jobs out there to begin with. Right. When companies are letting people go, there's not going to be a lot of layoffs because there's just not a lot of people working. Yeah. But that's just simple math. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Thousand a year ago to about 311,000. That's the lowest since August of 2007. So we were finally back to pre-recession levels. Wow. Anthony Mason, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, again, again, help. again in help. the chat, you guys, th- that stat is for initial claims. The, the, that, that stat is not about people who have fallen off the roll, uh, the rolls. Uh, because they're not being counted anymore because they're out of unemployment. That's initial unemployment claims. So it's a different statistic. All right, last pre-show clip before we kick off. All right. So we got a couple more in the sink. We're not going to get to all of them today. Uh, but That's split. I, uh, there's been an interesting discussion on RT regarding sort of how now big media is making big money off of the Snowden brand, ah. quote-unquote. The White House has categorically ruled out any sort of clemency or mercy for whistleblower Edward Snowden. The State Department, in turn, says the man that exposed America's global surveillance system should come back home. The fact is he has damaged his country very significantly uh, in many, many ways. He should man up and come back to the United States if he has a complaint about what's the matter with American uh, surveillance. Come back here and stand uh, in our system of justice. The whistleblower himself said that he'd like to go home, but uh, not a jail set. In the, main, in the meantime, he's keeping up a steady stream. Gosh, you know, I have never seen video quality of that high resolution of that scene. It almost seemed like RT had an HD camera there. Yeah. I've always seen cell phone pictures of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I was, that's what I was looking, and I was just like, that looks really... I was just thinking, that looks really good. Yeah, we've never seen video footage that good of this moment, right? Yeah. 
I, I, I'm, I'm bending over to look, but yeah, I mean, you can definitely see the uh, the caked on makeup of Carrie. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the snow thing. I know. Lowe I know. himself said that he'd like to go home, but uh, not a jail set. In the, in the meantime, he's keeping up a steady stream of details on America's vast surveillance system. But while his motives may be selfless, there are many eager to make a buck in Snowden's name. Aussie's Anastasia Churkina reports. Action figures, comic books, a variety of hardcovers, paperbacks, and e-books, and even Hollywood blockbusters. Sony Pictures purchased the book in order to make a film about it. I'm thrilled about that as well. All starring one figure who love him or hate him is already an icon, Edward Snowden. He is, in my view and in the view of many others, a hero who uh, stood up for what was right. He's certainly more of a hero than all the uh, superheroes like Superman and Batman who uh, end up getting movies and uh, all sorts of licensing deals and action figures. The whistleblower who brought the mind-blowing National Security Agent surveillance programs to light. For some, he's an inspiration. For others, he's their next business venture. If anything can be licensed or exploited in any way, you can be absolutely certain that there will be business people who will try to do so. Stuck in Moscow and facing espionage charges in the U.S., Snowden is one Mexico? person who doesn't seem to be... Did she say that? No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> oh, that was so good. Don't do that. Don't that was do. so He's good. cashing in on his name. Edward Snowden is very bright, and I think he probably does not uh, care for this uh, kind of nonsense, the action figures, the comics, etc. Um, but there isn't much he can do about it. The money-making machine surrounding the former CIA contractor could be viewed as conflicting with his goal of fighting against mass surveillance and an infringement of privacy rights by the NSA. The more you inject comic books and action figures into something, the less serious than other people take it. While some of the attention may be inane, Glenn Greenwald, the journalist who broke the Snowden story, sure, says sure. selling movie rights and releasing a book on the topic are all in an effort to spread the word on privacy issues in the of course, U.S., of course. even if he does make a buck. I don't make any apologies at all for having written a book. I've been working on surveillance issues for eight years. I want to maximize every platform that I have to go around the world and talking about why these surveillance policies are so dangerous. <laughs> what do you think about that? That was perfect timing, by the way. Did you see that? Yeah, that was, that, was, uh, that was ding jinx. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think about Glenn Greenwald saying that? Essentially saying, okay. oh, you know yeah. what? hold on, before we go on, before you answer that, you know what I'm going to do? <sighs> Where's mine? I'm going to uh, pour myself. I, how's this going to go? It's tequila and Coke. How's does that? Is that going to go? And there's a lot of tequila in here, but Ooh, I figured that was a lot of tequila. Yeah, I figured for episode 100. Oh boy. Hey you guys, don't worry. I'll be the designated stream driver. So in case if Chris really screws up here, I can take over the show at any time. Yep. Yep. I'll grab the controls. Are we done with this? I'm kind of done with this clip. I think I'm kind of done with this. Hey, clip. by the way. Yeah. Where does RT get all these hot anchors? Russia, dude. That's what. Have you? They're not all Russian. Are you new to the internet? They're not all Russian. I think a lot of them are. Not all of What's them. What's that mail order website? Abby's not. Oh, she's not. Abby's got a whole bunch of her own personal stuff, too, you can check out if you're interested in her. Uh, I, I I don't know. I'm not as big of a fa Abby fan as you are. I like her enough. Oh, I like Abby. I like that other chick with the accent just now. Yeah. I like her. I mean, I may not watch RT on a regular basis, but I'm just saying. So, um... I think we're going to get started. Are you ready to get started? Because we got so much stuff to talk about in the main show that yeah. if we don't get started soon, we'll be here all night. 
Let's do it, man. All right. Okay. All right. Now, so- remember, this is Unfilter. Episode 100,000. No. The Centennial Edition. Wow, that thing's loud. <laughs> Ducktales, do you know? All right, Chase. Any, uh, do you want to, uh, do we want to talk about it being our 100th episode at the top? Yeah, is we it, should. Is it your intro? Yeah, it is. All right. Um, uh, yeah. We, 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 it we, all runs together for me. I mean, 100 episodes. Ooh, that's crazy. I know. But we should, we have to talk about it. We have to reflect. You reflect. You should play the. You should play episode one, like the first. I don't know. Oh, you know what? I'll do it right now. I won't do it in the show. I'll do it right now. We'll yeah. do it right now. Because yeah. it's probably horribly embarrassing. Oh, to it's tell you very that. bad. Is it? Oh, by the way, Eric says we should split the intro. Have you? Uh, have you? Have you watched it? Which intro? Well, I think he. Uh, I, th- I don't know. Oh, uh, like this is unfiltered. Episode one hundred. Yeah. Yeah. We. Yeah, t- yeah, Chris does all those. Yeah, I never get a piece of that. Well, it's part of the brand now. It's like now it just now now if we change the people are like God, Chase must have been really wanting to get his his voice in yeah, there. Like, people, God, Chase. I think people would up. wonder cuz well after 100, but no, we could do it. All right, uh, here no, we people, go. People people think I whine all the time. <laughs> oh, Chase, I'm sorry. It's all right. This is Unfiltered, episode 1. Wait, wait, for wait. May 17th. Man, 2012. You, you even sound dip. Wait, you sound faster. We should take nothing for granted. Good Only intro. an alert a- and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals, so that security and liberty may prosper together. That was a good. That was a good intro choice, I might say. Even though it had nothing to do with cannabis, which was our, we went with, we went big on our. We were like, you know, what, we're going to grab people's attention. Go big about, or go home. You know, gosh, we. That's one thing that's really changed since we started doing this show is the whole weed thing. <clears throat> By the way, we're twenty two dollars away. Wow, I mean, we might make it during the show then. Uh, all right, so okay, let me reset my levels here because I got everything all flubbergasted for that. All right, so uh, will you kill that fan? This is Unfilter Centennial Edition for June fourth, two thousand and fourteen. The United States government did something that, to the best of my knowledge, I can't remember us ever negotiating with terrorists before. This is really not a good idea to open up and end a chapter in American history where we don't negotiate with terrorists. You know, Ambassador Rice basically said to you, yes, U.S. policy has changed. Now we make deals with with terrorists. Welcome to episode number 100 of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about that news you shouldn't be watching. Now, I'm just one half of the show. My name is Chase, but really, the guy who started this show, who got it started at episode number one and said, hey, I'm going to do a show about that news (laughs) that you shouldn't be watching. Chris! Fisher! Hey there, buddy. Congratulations. 100 episodes, man. It feels good. I'm going to reach over. Shake, shake your hand. hand. Shake the hand. Nice yeah, that's nice. Yeah, we yeah, should have thought of that. That was yeah. good. I'm yeah. glad you did. Yeah. 100 episodes. Can you believe it? Yeah. No, actually. No, I can't either. Um, <laughs> because 
This show is really damn hard. I didn't think well, I'd make it this long. Not only hard, but it's it's <laughs> made, it's it's had changes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously, when we started the show, uh, you know, we we had two guys with us on Skype. Yep. Yep. And uh, we you know we had a different style of show. We had three acts where we would break down very oh, big, yeah, yeah. serious topics. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I liked that, but it didn't really flow. But the only other problem with that is uh first off no 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 offense to the to the the guys on Skype but what would happen is you know we would start on a topic and we would go off on these rants and tangents and then unfortunately because of the nature of Skype Skype delay there would be Skype delay we would yeah. talk over each it other it's hard having two people in studio and two people on Skype and then the other thing was the content side of it i mean we of course we liked doing the specialized topics yeah but at the same time uh listenership was starting to fall off a little bit yeah. people were like you know uh, I, I and, want you guys to talk was, about more of the current to topics. Think, and the thing, too, what we were really struggling with uh, was we hadn't really clicked that, wait a minute, this needs to be a listener-supported show. And yeah. once that place fell into peace, the rest of the focus of the show where we realized, okay, it's not about trying to get you know, the lazy tech guys who see something tweeted out yeah. to just click it because it has a tech headline. And it's, it's not about getting those people. Yeah. That sort of reformulated the show. We clicked into all of that. We got we started following a new tread of stories, and then right, you know, about five weeks after that, around there, the the first NSA story hit. And you know what's crazy? You know what tomorrow is? What the anniversary of the first Snowden revelation? Wow! For so what, what timing? I know, I know. It, 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 this show and those, those revelations, our, our show found its groove a few weeks before the revelations, and yeah. I mean, it has it, it has so intersected politics and technology like no other story we have followed and then you know we've also now at a hundred there's so many threads we have followed over the weeks that we now so have perspective on totally it's really gotten fascinating because the show in a sense builds on itself as every week we cover something it adds to this narrative that we've followed it gives us more insights i i find it to be Incredibly empowering in the sense of at least feeling like I'm beginning to have some kind of actual understanding of what's going on in the world. You know, from for, for me, to, you know, I mean, it for, really do though. You know, for me, when I when I you know when we, we when we came together on this project, and you know, we I actually a lot of you guys may not realize, but thanks to a show that we both listen to called No Agenda, the best podcast in the universe. You know, and they you know in the morning to anybody out there who listens to that show as well, you know. I was traveling on one of my escapades going across, uh, you know, the, uh, the Stevens Pass area of Washington State, driving, and I listened to the podcast a lot. And Chris, you know, he donated to No Agenda, and he, you know, they they say on the radio on the on the podcast, you know, Chris from Jupiter Broadcasting, yeah, yeah. Washington, and I, and I and I come to find out that Chris is in the same town as me. I was, like, I was blown away. Yeah. And then I went to Jupiter Broadcasting's website. I was like, holy crap, he's in my backyard. I mean, we're both internet broadcasters. We do a lot of great stuff. In the morning. Yeah. And so I reached out to Chris, and then you know we met up for uh, Italian. We went to Stanwood, that Italian uh, pizza place over there. Remember? The best pizza place in the United what States of America. Big J's or something? Jimmy's. Yeah. Jimmy's. Mm -hmm. So we went there, and we started talking, and we started collaborating a little bit. And then Chris is like, I want to do the show, Unfilter. Yeah. What do you think? It's a show I had been thinking about for so long, and it just everything kind of clicked together. And so we made it happen. Yeah. And, and the, other, the other interesting thing is, you know, looking back on the past two years and doing this show, it's really opened up my eyes and my ears with what's happening in the world around us and locally as well. You know, mm. I'm more in tune now with political issues that are happening in my backyard, right. things that could affect both of us and families and friends. And so here we are, and looking back at an episode 100, I'm looking at 
uh, a Patreon that we just started a, a few weeks ago. And and now we have an incredible community, not just the community from Jupiter Broadcasting, but a lot of people that have come in from outside the community and believe in what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish. And for me, I am completely blessed. I'm, I'm you know, I think you and Angela and Rakai and Eric and all the other admins, I know there's so many people that have embraced me and barely even known me. And I appreciate that immensely. Uh, I mean, a member of the unfiltered community set up a website. Does Chase have a job yet? <laughs> dot com. Yeah. Uh, because they understood completely what I was going through and looking for work. And so when you have that kind of community and a show that brings everybody together, uh, it's very empowering. And I really cannot wait to see where the show goes. I know what I'm really glad too is that uh we're not we're at 100 and we're not out of ideas. In fact, in, no. a, in a big way this Patreon has been a reinfusion of new ideas because it's given us this sort of framework to think of things in and like boy, if we like let's set goals for ourselves and see what we can do when we reach these levels, I'm pretty excited about where the next 100 yeah. will go. Uh and I hope I hope that looking back at this, one of my motivations for doing this show, why we've done it for 100 weeks, I don't know. Maybe this is a long shot, but maybe in 20, 25 years, I'll want to look back and remember yeah. what the hell was going on. Because I we, believe- We set an official record. I believe we'll look back at this time and so we will have so many questions and we will want to know what was going on and what were people thinking and what were the biases of the time and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And and even when we get something wrong, just documenting that misconception that was taking place at the time in one sense is valuable. And I also wonder if at some point my kids will want to come back and maybe learn a little bit more about how their dad saw the world. And I think out of a lot of the shows that I do, and I love them all, I think this show will give them the best representation of what their dad's worldview was. Yeah. And, that, and, and you what know, was going on when they were kids. And the greatest thing about this show... Is and we are always we always make fun of it. We're not left, we're not right. I mean, I don't even know if you even call a center. We just call it as it is. What we, right. we what we call what we feel should be right. Well, we spent all of our adult until our thirties being completely apolitical, trying to. I mean, both of us really for a long time tried to avoid it and, and just invest ourselves one hundred percent in technology yeah. and not have any political leanings. Uh, and then honestly, the world just started kicking my ass starting in 2008, and I had no choice but to start paying attention. Yeah, especially when you have issues like network neutrality, which could throw a huge wrench into what Chris and I are trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we're trying to create independent entertainment on demand, I, I it's kind of a play on I gotcha. what— Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's kind of play what you say. You Could know? you imagine all of these NSA revelations and not doing this show? First of all, how— how burn how like inside how how strongly we burning to want to talk about it number one right because we wouldn't be talking about it on this show no and number two like I would feel we'd probably have dinner we'd be sitting down and like having these passionate well, I conversations feel, I feel like we would be um a little lost because it would be because we are so regimented to follow the news for this show we have kept on top of what's happening yeah but we, you know I I just can't imagine like trying to get that in bits and pieces without having one source it seems overwhelming in some ways and I think it would be very hard to, I'm just very thankful that we are doing this show because it has helped me stay informed I hope it's I, I hope it's helpful for the audience too. yeah well I mean I and I know we're going to talk about the patrons here you know towards the middle of the show and and uh, we might be able to leak an announcement hopefully we're very close to doing that hmm. we'll um see. We'll, we'll see, see. We'll uh, see. It, depends on milestones. It, it does depend on the milestones but it's one of those things where re irregardless 
thanks to you guys out there who believe in what we do. I mean, if it wasn't for you guys, I mean, this is a very non-traditional type of show where we do not rely on sponsors. You know, it's thanks to you guys in the oh community. Oh, my gosh, it's Anderson Cooper. And Anderson Cooper sound bites and Wolf Blitzer sound bites and the, the bumpers <laughs> right. for breaking news on Fox. Right, Everything right, comes together. Right, right. And we still have... We still have... This is CNN Breaking News. Breaking news. We still have the best yet to come. So, Chris. Yeah, should we start with the NSA, Chase? You know what? They're freaking crazy again. The NSA is crazy. They so, keep going. Uh, I want to just retouch on a topic uh, sort of at the top of the NSA coverage. We thought that after Angela Merkel came over to the U.S., met with Obama, that they were essentially going to let the NSA stuff rest. Although she did say that things will not continue as they always have, but that wasn't very clear what that meant. Well, well, today The Guardian has an article that Germany has opened an inquiry into claims that the NSA tapped Angela Merkel's phone, including setting up a uh, an inquiry investigation. This is Germany's federal prosecutor. He has essentially defied what were public expectations by opening up this investigation into the alleged, alleged taping of Merkel's phone. All right. So I feel two things about this announcement. A... Is this just to quiet down the German dissidents to make sure that to say, hey, no, no, we're doing something about this. We're we're standing up, but mm. secretly behind the scenes, nothing's going to happen. I don't know. I'm so far removed. It's hard to know what the what the internal pressure was like. I think this is more about showing that Germany is powerful, showing that that Germany is uh, you know not to be screwed with. Because essentially, if they publicly allow the U.S. to roll over them like this, yeah, uh, they, they, it makes them look weak. It right. makes them look like like our dog. And I I feel like just for their own national pride, they have to do this. Now, who knows where it'll go? It might go nowhere. Right. But at least they can say, we did this. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. I mean, they're saying, yeah, you know, we're, we uh, we open up an investigation. We're looking right. into this. I would love, if we have yeah. any uh, listeners in, in Germany, email us, unfilteredjupiterbroadcasting.com, and let us know from a local perspective uh, what's going on there. Because, I, I, you know, it's hard to tell from this far away. Right. I mean, I would say, though, do you think her anger was truly genuine that she was pissed yeah. off? Yeah. yeah these, so. these people think they're the, the you know, they're the, they're the presidents, they're the leaders, they're they're the chancellors. They're right. you don't mess with me. You know, they're all of the elites. Yeah. Uh, you pointed us to a interesting survey that was conducted. Yeah. Uh, according to a survey commissioned by now, I don't know about this part. It's a cloud storage service called. True sort or store it or something like that. Tresore it. Tresore it. Yeah. Why are the, why is a cloud why is a cloud storage facility doing this survey? But anyways, the survey found that fifty five percent of respondents think that Snowden did the right thing in exposing the Prism and mass data mining program. Yeah, I I, I that's fifty five is pretty. I don't high. I don't know if you know if you're paying attention during the uh, supporter show. Oh but yeah, they, yeah. They also threw up a similar graphic yep. saying fifty five percent. Yep. And then it was less than 20 or 30% thought that he was a traitor. 29% yeah. believe that he was in the wrong, and 16% endorsed neither statement. Of Snowden's supporters, though, 80% said he exposed constitutional violations. 80%. You know, you guys are going to love the supporter show this week. We uh, we played a clip from the, the brand-new NSA chief. Yeah. And uh, his anger. Yeah. Hey, what do you think about, uh, since it's episode 100, I mean, not to shortchange our supporters, but no. since it's episode 100, should we release... The MP3 version. We can't release the video version. No. I think for copyright reasons. But yeah. for, we could release the MP3 version of the supporter show I to celebrate a, episode 100. I think it's a great idea, and it also gives the people out there an opportunity to see what it's all about. The oh, we just hit our milestone. Are, are you serious? Because we hit the milestone, I say we release this, because it was a really good supporter show this week. Uh, and that NSA clip is almost worth it on its own. All and right, I think so everybody should when we that. get to the Patreon segment, 
in our in our Patreon supporter segment, we will release, we will unlock. We need it. Where's that sound? Where's I got it. I yeah. got it. Yeah, I got it. Well, we will, we will play it okay. when we get there. Okay. All right, I won't and, play it until you give me the cue, and then yeah. I'll hit it. And then we'll talk about what's going on All right, well, we for need, the future. I want to get into some NSA clips. Um, let's start with the sort of lukewarm revelation that came out this week. Uh, you probably heard about this. I think you probably expected this, and so you probably were not too surprised. Let's talk after the clip. All right. The National Security Agency is collecting a massive trove of images that it intercepts over social media, emails, and texts some which are so clear it can use them in its facial recognition operations. According to the New York Times, top secret NSA documents indicate that the spy agency's global facial recognition technology has seen huge growth in the last four years. Millions of images are intercepted per day, only adding to the huge database of personal information the government can have on individuals, both American and foreign. The worry many have is that there are few limits on these operations. While the NSA says the improved targeting could help track down terrorists, civil liberties advocates worry the program seems to be operating in a legal vacuum. So, um, not too surprising. They're taking everything you publicly post, and they're pulling it down, and they're analyzing the face for recognition. Are you surprised at all that the NSA is taking your fab- your public Instagram and Facebook posts? I would be surprised if they weren't. Right. <laughs> here is, I mean, this is public data, right? It's already out there. I agree. Now, but here's the problem I have with it, all is right. there is essentially, now, I, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I don't actually mind. But, you know, you and I have been here in the studio, and you've taken a picture of me and posted on Instagram and say, Unfilter is about to start. Yep. You have now just opted me in to the NSA facial recognition system. Even uh, even yeah. if even if I don't have a Facebook profile or a Twitter account or an Instagram Chris, account, you Chris, just opted me in. When we were at Linux Fest Northwest and you had the entire crew there, we were taking equipment, including Alan, by the way, which is a lovely Canadian. Mm-hmm. We're walking in. You took a picture, a selfie with everybody in the back. You've opted me in. I know. I'm just saying. I'm playing devil's advocate. I know. I know. You, there is a, so almost. Yeah. Is there a social responsibility? For that, is there because when you are now taking a picture, you are submitting them to a massive database by the world's largest government. It's one of those weird things where I, I hate to say this, but it's one of those shared acceptances where mm. you know when people are taking pictures and people are you know well, and because this is happens. this is legally a gray area, you bet your ass private companies are doing this too. Oh even, yeah, even not not even the companies that run these services, but companies that can just connect and download these images are doing it. You well, bet they're your doing, ass. They're doing it now. When you when you log into Facebook or Google Plus, where they say, "Is this you? Right? Uh, would you like to tag this picture of you?" And you know, you didn't realize that you were in that picture. So uh, yes, I did opt you into. Uh, I wanted to uh, play a deleted scene from the Brian Williams NBC interview with Edward Snowden. Wait, the interview, I, the the one that we tried to show last week, but we kind of did, but didn't. Well, it is in the supporter sync. Oh, I wonder. So the full interview is in the supporter sync. Oh, um, but nice. there was a clip that didn't make it to the interview, and I want to play it for you. And guess what, Chase? Can you guess what it's about? Hmm. 9-11. Oh. Um, we talked about Bell metadata uh, in this group. We talked about metadata with Snowden. He makes a larger point here about the information haystack and about why in his view. Now, this was an after web stream, which we did play all of. After after they broadcast on the national news, Brian Williams and um, some essentially Obama administration apologists, went on the web and streamed additional clips that didn't quite make it into the interview. Because remember, it was a 30-minute interview, but a a three-hour... It was a 30-minute broadcasted interview, but a three-hour actual interview. So there's lots of clips that didn't make it in. 
Uh, big intelligence gathering doesn't work. I'll play for you now that exchange. Play it! Play a damn clip! They had a mistake. See, he just kind of sits there. Look at him. He really just, meant to. There you go. <laughs> Brian's so smooth. <laughs> I take the threat of terrorism seriously. Uh, and I think we all do. And I think it's really disingenuous for, for the government to invoke uh, and sort of scandalize our memories, to sort of exploit the, the national trauma that we all suffered together and worked so hard to come through to justify programs that have never been shown to keep us safe but cost us liberties and freedoms that we don't need to give up and our Constitution says we should not give up. But you can see how it happened. Guys with box cutters spent 200 bucks using our own aviation system to take down our own buildings and smash into the Pentagon in a field in Pennsylvania. What are we going to do? It's a it's a non-traditional enemy. You see how you see how much Edward Snowden's blinking there and and shifting in his chair. Do you think you think maybe Snowden is a is a 9/11 truther? Watch how uncomfortable he seems as 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 Brian Williams is uh, painting a picture of terrorism for aviation us. Aviation system to take down our own buildings and smash into the Pentagon in a field in Pennsylvania. What are we going to do? It's a, it's a non-traditional enemy. The expression is an enemy we can't see. What are we going to do? You know, and this is a... Oh, a chat room points out a good point. that If you look closely, uh, Chase, this has been since his first interview with Glenn Greenwald, one of the pads on Snowden's glasses is missing. That might give you a, an indication of the kind of lifestyle he's living there. Those are the same glasses that he he arrived there with that are broken. The pad on the one that is facing the camera yeah, is I missing. See it. Yeah. yeah, Kind of a little interesting thing about that. Kind of Now, maybe that's... Maybe he only wears these glasses, you know... I wouldn't be surprised if he only wears these glasses when on camera, and he has a separate set of glasses. What about contacts? I bet I bet he wears a separate. So he, he probably ch- slightly changes his appearance when he's walking about. He's not dumb. I no, mean, no. He he wears the the what the the big glasses with the big nose and the. You know, he's he's a glass hole. Oh. This is a key question that the nine eleven commission considered, and what they found in the postmortem when they looked at all of the classified intelligence from all of the different intelligence agencies, they found that we had all of the information we needed as an intelligence community, uh, as a classified sector, as the national defense of the United States, to detect this plot. We actually had records of the phone calls from the United States and out. The CIA knew who these guys were. The problem was not that we weren't collecting information. Uh, It wasn't that we didn't have enough dots. It wasn't that we didn't have a haystack. It was that we did not understand the haystack that we have. The problem with mass surveillance is that we're piling more hay on a haystack we already don't understand. And this is the haystack of the human lives of every American citizen in our country. If these programs aren't keeping us safe and they're making us miss connections, vital connections, on information we already have. If we're taking resources away from traditional methods of investigation, from law enforcement operations that we know work, if we're missing things like the Boston Marathon bombings, where all of these mass surveillance systems, every domestic dragnet in the world didn't reveal guys that the Russian intelligence service told us about by name, is that really 
the best way to protect our country? Or are we, are we trying to throw money at a magic solution that's actually not just costing us our safety, but our rights and our way of life? You can see why they probably cut that from the NBC interview, because that was such a strong and bold and accurate statement. But then we they had the haystack. But during, then they played it again, though. Huh? But then they played it. They played only it. online. Oh, right. Yeah. It's only available online. They cut it from the main show. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they had for, to cut it for time. For me, out of uh, and I'm going to say it, out of the terrorist attacks from 9/11, uh, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> episode 100, the Bell edition. <laughs> Sorry, Bell haters. They're out there. I know they're out there. It's to actually, quell your ADD monster. Actually, We're, Chris, you know, if uh, maybe you should put in the goal if we get to this amount, we uh, we. Oh my God, the we bell. should. Yeah, we retire the bell. You shouldn't have said that out loud. That was our secret plan. No, <laughs> no that's for the next goal. We're not doing it at twenty five hundred. The bell's yeah. valuable. Very, very valuable. Yeah. No, I, I believe uh, some of the best things that came out of that was reinforcement of doors on airplanes. That's right. one. Yes. And the second thing is now that these th- that people realize that planes can be used as weapons, no one will ever be able to hijack a plane ever again because people that are sitting in the seats will not stand for it. Period. So um, I want you. That's what I think. We're going to come back to the Boston bombing. Uh, we're about to play a clip in, a, in at, at, towards the end of the NSA segment here. We're going to play a clip that uses the Boston bombing to justify the establishment of a homegrown terrorism Justice Department organization. Wow. So remember that Snowden made that reference because it's, it's going to become relevant. But I want to stay on the Snowden NBC interview thread for a little bit longer. Okay. Um, so guess what happens? Uh, NBC airs their interview and then all of the politicians have to respond. Everybody goes to the air. I've tried not to bore us. So I've only picked a few. The one that you probably remember because we played it last week was John Kerry. Got all remember how he got all fired be up? Be a man. Yeah, be man, a up. man. Man up. Man up. Come here. Be a real hero. Like the Pentagon papers and you know, like remember that? Yeah. He's like, be a real patriot. Yeah. Like Daniel Ellsberg was. Well, Daniel Ellsberg responds to John Kerry now. And returning to the Snowden issue, Secretary of State John Kerry told Chuck Todd the other day that if Edward Snowden were really a patriot, he would do what Vietnam-era whistleblower Daniel Ellsberg had done and stand trial and defend himself. If this man is a patriot, he should stay in the United States and make his case. Patriots don't go to Russia. They don't seek asylum in Cuba. They don't seek asylum in Venezuela. They fight their cause here. There are many a patriot. You can go back to the Pentagon Papers, Dan Ellsberg and others who who stood and and went to the court system of America and and made their case. Edward Snowden is a coward. He is a traitor. And he has betrayed his country. And if he wants to come home tomorrow, to face the music, right. he can do so. Man, John well, today, Kerry, the go. famed Pentagon Papers whistleblower Daniel Ellsberg and co-founder of the Freedom of the Press Foundation is sounding off about Kerry's comments. Daniel Ellsberg uh, wrote a column that was uh, posted in The Guardian, and he joins me now from California. Mr. Ellsberg, thank you very much. Tell me what, why you responded so strongly to what Secretary Kerry I hear a satellite delay. Secretary Kerry was once a hero of mine, along with a lot of other people. He did a very creditable role showing moral courage in front of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, uh, denouncing the Vietnam War, actual war crimes, a very heretical thing for a veteran to be talking about, and asking the question, who wants to be the last man to fight 
and for it to die for a mistake. Let me correct that. Who wants to be the last man to die for a mistake? Have you ever seen some of the young John Kerry video clips? It is very inspirational. Yeah. To be very honest. I mean, when you see him on that panel and he's he's talking, Wow. I know. I know. It's powerful stuff. It's so, it's so interesting to see how far both him and McCain have come. Right? Yeah. And, and both left and right. Yeah. I was thinking of that only yesterday as I saw the headline that the president was keeping almost 10,000 men almost two more years or two and a half more years in Afghanistan. And I was wondering how Secretary of, Defense, of, of State Kerry would address that question today. Uh, unfortunately, his statements on... Uh, Snowden have diminished his, his stature even further, and it has fallen in recent years in a number of ways. I think that for him to characterize Mr. Snowden, whom I regard as an American hero and a very great patriot, as a coward, a traitor, and someone who betrayed his country, is a despicable statement. And I think very poorly of Mr. Kerry for having said that. Round of applause wow. for Mr. Daniel Ellsberg. Exactly. Wow. It is despicable. And Kerry should be ashamed of himself how far he's fallen. Piece of trash. Look at him. And, and you know, the people who've stayed true, now looking back at you, Kerry, they see what a fake and what a phony you've become. What a sellout. So so is it, was he a fake then or is he a fake now? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I... You know, you guys check check out that old uh, you know speech. I, I I'm I'm pretty sure it's still on YouTube. Oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> just like do John Kerry Vietnam congressional speech, or just yeah, just search around for that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, there's I, also I, a I clip out there of John McCary, John John McCary, <laughs> uh, John McCain, of John Kerry arguing with his younger self. That's a good one too. Uh yeah. Um. All right. Oh, so, uh, did you do you recall? Do I recall? Earlier on in our Snowden coverage, about a year ago, back in the day, back in the day, uh, that Snowden, before he released the documents, tried to raise awareness about about what he felt were constitutional violations. That's right. He sent an email. And this is, well, he says he sent several emails. Now, the NSA has released a singular email. Well, first, the NSA said they didn't have any. They said there's none, none existed. I'm glad you got. I'm glad you caught that because they did say that. They, they said there did. were no emails. They said none. They they straight up Thank called you. him a liar. Yes. And then all yes. of a sudden, very all of a sudden, oh oh, we have one. Yeah. Oh one, just one email. Yeah. Hmm. In the NBC News interview conducted in Moscow, Snowden had this to say about the steps he took to bring the improper spy tactics to his boss's attention. The NSA has records. They have copies of emails right now to their Office of General Counsel, to their oversight and compliance folks, from me, raising concerns about the NSA's interpretations of its legal authorities. The NSA fired back the next day by issuing a single email. It stated the only one it could find, showing that Snowden <laughs> had indeed asked a superior about legal authorities, but seemed to raise no concerns about any particular NSA uh. program. In the Washington Post, Snowden responded to this email and the claim by the NSA that it searched for additional indications of outreach from him but came up with nothing. He said, if the White House is interested in the whole truth rather than the NSA's clearly tailored and incomplete leak today for a political advantage, it'll require the NSA to ask my former colleagues, management and the senior leadership team about whether I at any time raised concerns about the NSA's improper and at times unconstitutional surveillance activities. It will not take long to receive an answer. Oh, of hey, course. Hey, Chris. If you did actual interviews with his previous coworkers, yeah. of course. By the way, Chris, if, yes. if the NSA was using Google Apps, 
<laughs> yeah. They would have been able to yeah. find the emails. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've been able to find old good emails. Good search. Yeah. Really good search. It's very good search yeah. for emails. You know what else has good search? Thunderbird. Thunderbird? They could just pull down, yeah. they could do an IMAP connection, pull down their email search in Thunderbird. I know. Real easy. Yeah. That um, one, uh, Spotlight kind of works on the Mac. It, you know, if you have email on your Mac. Oh, okay. Yeah, that might okay. work. Okay. Um, is that a is that that's an Apple thing? I think okay. so. Okay, so uh, I want to just we're gonna we're gonna round out our NSA segment uh, with uh, let's 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 catch up with your buddy, my buddy Keith Alexander, my bar buddy. You know he's retired now. Yeah, I know we go out so, every of course, Friday night because now he's retired. He's gonna go live a quiet life. He's gonna stay out of the Wait, public spotlight. Is he gonna he's, write a book? He's I'm sure he's gonna fly under the radar, right? He wouldn't like be going to Bloomberg and discussing Snowden, right? No way. Oh wait. In fact, here's a little clip of Keith Alexander, now retired director of the NSA, saying that he's pretty sure Snowden probably working for the Russians. Do you in fact then believe that he is now or was a yeah. double agent? Well, I think he's working for him. I'm I, I wouldn't go so far as a double agent, but I think he's, he's working for someone who he's working for someone. Here you know, it seems odd. You know, you just you just look at the what's going on, and doesn't it seem odd that he could ask Putin a question? Now you're a great reporter. Why don't you call up Putin and ask him a question? I also think that seems odd. I still think that's the oddest thing that's happened yet, and uh, I also I also think that uh, I mean, okay. I'm pretty positive. I've watched that Snowden question a couple of times. They okay, a couple of things, Chase, that I, I wanna I wanna bounce off you about this. Do you remember Snowden's doing this press conference and or I'm sorry, Putin is doing this press conference and Snowden like Skypes in or whatever and asks him, does the Russian government spy on their citizens? Right. Yeah, I do. They two things that bother me about that. Number one, the lower third on Snowden said Berlin. Not Moscow, which is just odd since it's a Russian state thing. And you think the fact that Snowden is, is in Moscow would be a pretty big deal. You don't think they'd mess that up. But OK, be as it may. Maybe it was just a template that the technician used and they left Berlin in the lower third. Right. But the other thing that bothers me okay. is they played it off as live. And I'm going to just tell you, as somebody who does video production, I guarantee you that was a pre-recorded clip. And they, somehow they got Snowden in there. They pre-recorded an interview with him and then played it for Putin. That, to me, suggests a level of cooperation that Snowden so far has not revealed. And I think he's being disingenuous because just accomplishing the ability to ask Vladimir Putin a video question if he is spying on his people is straight up 100% a Kremlin is, propaganda technique. And not only that, it's— 100% yeah. unquestionable. And, it, and you take any leader— in any civilized world, and you want to ask a question to them, either doesn't matter who it is. It could be Obama. There's no way Obama, some random video. It could be, you know, President Merkel. It exactly. could be Prime Minister Harper. It could be any any top leader. You are not going to be able to answer or ask a question without pre-approval. It doesn't get up on the board. Pre-arranged. You know, it's just be because set up. just because of the political Total. implications Total. of Putin speaking to Snowden, just the yep. ramifications of that. If a person just surprised Putin with this phone call, oh, that could you imagine what would happen to them? I mean, think that about, person would be fired. Think of at, <laughs> at, maybe. at best, at best, at best, that person's yeah. fired. Yeah, because you yeah. just made Putin talk to Edward Snowden, which is a political firestorm right now. Yep. I just don't buy that it was just coincidental. So I'm actually – oh, so far now I'm with if, Keith. But Now, I, if Putin didn't have his shirt on <laughs> and he was in a river and he was fighting an alligator. <laughs> and Ed just showed up. And Ed showed up. Right. I'd be down for that. As long as Ed's riding the bear. That's right. Let me know if you can get through. How did Snowden get a call to the president of Russia to ask a question like that? 
You think it was all planned? I think and it was all planned. They're really they good at him there for a reason. information ops. I think it's all that's where it is now. I maybe you know, and maybe it was all friendly. It's like, hey, Ed, would you like to draw attention to this issue you care a lot about? And maybe that's how they started. Do you like, think Putin has? Uh, do you think? I'm sorry. Does, do you think Edward Snowden has Putin circled on Google Plus? <laughs> I don't think either one of them. Well, actually, no, we know Snowden uses Google Plus. We do. So yeah. Hmm. All right. So that was former NSA director Keith Alexander. Right. Here's current. NSA right. director, not not to be confused with your buddy Mike Rogers. Mike this Goal. is Michael Rogers, and he suggests that his opinion of Snowden is maybe he seems intelligent, but a bit of an ass. <laughs> Did you watch uh, Ed Snowden's interview on NBC? No, no, to be honest, I you didn't to be honest, watch I was it? traveling. At, at, at oh, I just couldn't do it. On. I've I seen just... clips of it subsequently. Mm-hmm. But I... I love um, how everybody in the administration, whenever there's something on TV, they just didn't get a chance to see it. Just didn't get a chance. Oh, jeez. So, so what was your impression of him in those clips? Did he seem prepped? Did he seem coached? What's your thought? I don't know. That's not my place. I, I thought, again, I think he had to be very balanced. Mm-hmm. I thought he's an intelligent individual, articulate. Um, uh. He seemed fairly arrogant to me. Um, Whoa, believes, like you? Clearly believes in what he's doing. I don't question like that. You? I don't agree with it. I fundamentally disagree with what he did i believe it was wrong i believe it was illegal from my perspective he stole sensitive information that he had been entrusted with he abused the trust of his workplace colleagues in doing so your organization abused the trust of the united states constitution he fundamentally believes in what he did or do you think he could have been working for someone else as a double agent could he have Uh, possibly do i believe that that's the case Probably not, but I would I would I would caution everyone. Look, we've got a set of processes that will deal with this issue in the long run, and that's the way we need to go. Um, as citizens, we are free to express our opinions. That's a real strength for us as a nation. The challenge in my mind is we cannot function as a society if every one of us unilaterally decides I'm right, everyone else is wrong, and I am going to disregard the law and decide what I'm going to agree to adhere to or not adhere to. How dare God. you not conform to oh. the norms? How dare oh. you? You know, you know uh, it, it so pisses me off to hear him say that when his organization, granted I, I don't, he wasn't at the controls when this occurred, obviously, but his organization that he's now responsible for did these things that were against the constitutions. Not only that, Snowden, I believe, did make an attempt to notify his superiors, to go through proper channels, but they sat on it because they loved having this data. They loved yeah. the ability to go through and thwart the Constitution in the due process. I also am bothered by the fact that all of these people running the NSA from Hayden to Alexander to now to Rogers all feel that they have some sort of authority to comment on society as a whole and, and what makes what makes a civilized people do certain things. Like To me, it's extremely creepy that these guys believe that they should be involved at this level to begin with anyways. And I believe that betrays the level in which they have stuck themselves into our lives. And I also want to point out that uh, if you are, because we're going to release, if I remember, the MP3 version of the supporter show, you'll catch the rest of that interview with that guy. He's a real piece of work.
and a bit of a, a bit of a misogynist yeah, too. Yeah, you, you'll 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 hear it for sure. I mean, you'll hear it in the tone of his voice, and one of the comments that he makes is pretty like yeah, pretty sexist. All right, before we bump out of the NSA segment, I just wanted to go back to something that will probably involve the NSA at some point. Yeah. Remember when Snowden referenced the Boston bombings there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now that's the exact kind of incident that Eric Holder is using to justify the creation of a new domestic terrorism division in the Justice Department. Ooh, more jobs. And Attorney General Eric Holder announced this week the creation of a new Justice Department task force entitled the Domestic Terrorism Executive Committee. Its mandate is to combat the threat of homegrown terrorists within the United States, citing the Boston Marathon bombings last year and the two shooting incidents at Fort Hood, Texas, as examples of the escalating danger of domestic terrorism. Holder has stated, as the nature of the threat we face evolves to include the possibility of individual radicalization via the Internet, it is critical that we return our focus to potential extremists here at home. Holder also noted that the task force will focus on individuals within our borders motivated by anti-government sentiments and racial prejudice as well. Lee Rowland, a staff attorney at the ACLU, responded to Holder's statements by saying, the Attorney General Holder's announcement that the new task force will focus on evidence of anti-government animus and racial intolerance raises concerns that it could be a sweeping mandate to monitor and collect controversial speech. The committee is a recreation of a task force created in 1995 by former Attorney General Janet Reno in the wake of the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. The original committee sparked concerns over its targeting of right-wing extremists. Well, it was disbanded after the attacks on 9-11 shifted the Justice Department's focus to overseas terrorist groups. So, uh, literally, one of the focuses of this group will be to monitor folks who have anti-government sentiments. I thought we already had an organization that has been set up to monitor and investigate crimes within the United States. What's the name of that organization? All Um, of them. No, but there's like it's like a specific it's a federal one. bureau, bureau that would do this. Yeah, some hmm. sort of federal something. Yeah, they should make one. Yeah, you know what they you might know what? need They're to. They're too busy in Syria, so they had to create <laughs> something new. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right, Chase. Uh, why don't we take a minute here and thank our patrons? You got that up over there? You want me to pull that? Uh, up? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, you know, I'm just looking at the the Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash/unfilters. The place to go. We see we got 252 uh, patrons. Uh, you know, I'm looking at down at the amount here. I can't. It's too. Oh my God. <laughs> We have reached and unlocked a milestone goal. Now, first off, Chris, first off, we all know about Patreon. Patreon's the place where you can go and support Unfilter. Right. It, know, is, a, it is a platform. It is, it is independent content. This is where you guys can see quite clearly we are not the NSA. We're not trying to hide what's going on here. <laughs> We're keeping it out in the open. You can see exactly how well the show yeah, is it, doing. It's transparent crowdfunding yep. for yep. independent content, and that's yep. really what you need to know there. And we are... Uh, matching that with Patreon's content distribution system yeah. for our patrons. So we're giving you things like the supporters clips in there. Yeah. Uh, there's a community discussions happening in there. Yeah. It's a really good format for us to be able to deliver you something a little extra for supporting us. Plus, you can check our milestones, so see I, where we're I'm at. I'm not going to show too much because I'm actually logged in right now. Oh, jeez. But you can actually see some of the great activity that happens oh, geez. within the, uh, the <laughs> this Patreon, which is awesome. Now, here's the thing, Chris. Okay. Patreon does allow you to... Uh, Edit your patronage at any time. You know, you can say, I'm going to pledge this amount, and then tomorrow I'll change it to another amount. All right. So here's the thing, you guys. We're going to share our plans here. We're going to unlock the super secret thing, because obviously the goal, 
Let me read it to you guys real quick in case you guys didn't know. Hmm. The goal was dun, 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 dun. Wait, unfiltered. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Right. Oh, hold yeah, on. yeah. I want to, I can I jazz this up a little of bit? Of course, Is that okay? yeah, yeah, right, totally. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're going to do. All right, so here's the deal, you guys. The Patreon Unfilter, Unfilter upgrade at $2,500 per month. The show is financed. The hosts get a fair pay, and we make bold investments into the show. Our secret plans will be revealed if we near this goal. So here's the thing, Chris. First off, we talked about Patreon. You can edit your contributions at any time. I do not want to see us dip below 2500 after we announce this because if if you guys just pledge to get us to announce this, I'm, I'm not going to be happy with that. Mm, oh, that'd be sneaky. That'd be very sneaky. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, the plan is we kind of alluded this to this early. Chase, I'm trying that's, to do, trying that's to do a drum. That's horrible. That's don't, don't do that. That's no? Horrible. Yeah, people have headphones on, Chase. Oh, sorry. Uh, My bad. We kind of already we kind of spilled the beans a little bit early on when we announced the Patreon that we want to take the Unfilter show on the road, but but huge but it requires a little bit of a buildup of a mobile production setup that can make the clips and record all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and of course set a little money aside to do it. So we're reaching when we reach that twenty five hundred dollar goal, we're going to set some money aside to invest in a mobile rig to make the Unfilter show hit the road, and the hope is. This all will line up with some of the other mobile plans we have later down in the year. So, because here's what our kind of options are. Right. If we don't make this investment, when it comes time for me to hit the road, I won't have a production set up to be able yeah. to do the Unfilter show. Yeah. And we need to be able to set up set a cost some money to afford things like hotel rooms for Chase and myself and things yeah. like that. So we want to hit the road. I was thinking the East Coast, but Chase and I are going to work out the details off air on that. That's right. a future thing. Yeah. This is down the road because at first we need to make the investment in the mobile rig, the mobile setup. We want to get them filter on the road. I'm thinking the first trip we take is kind of modest just to test it. Yeah. It might even be like California or Oregon just to make sure yeah. it all West works. Co- West Coast, right. essentially. Yeah. Just so we know that I don't want to go all the way across the world and then get there and not be able to do the show and be like, yeah. well, we traveled, but we can't do a show. Sorry about that. And the, other, and the other thing, too, is obviously we need to make sure that we remain sustainable. We, we don't want to, you know put all this investment into going mobile and then all of a sudden next month we're down to 1500 right <laughs> you know we want to continue to be sustainable and so right now at this stage Ooh, eastern washington would be fun too yeah spokane or idaho we can go over there and see Bo. uh isn't there like some sort of white water silverwood resort type thing where we can go i mean i mean sure. a political thing oh yeah <laughs> so uh, the idea is really is to take a lot of the Jupiter Broadcasting shows on the road in the future. But the yeah. one that's going to be tactically and operationally the most challenging yeah. is Unfilter. In fact, just moving between studios, I mean, it took weeks to it, get the setup it back It was such again. an undertaking because we we made the move, and then all of a sudden there was Linux Fest Northwest. So we had this stuff here where we had to bring all the equipment up to. It was, it was a huge undertaking. So... So right now we're getting the, we're getting the exploratory stages moving on this, mm-hmm. and I think too that out of all the shows on the road, ours could benefit the most. And even even tra- traveling domestically, but eventually the goal would be, uh, and this will kind of scale depending on funding on our Patreon page. The goal would would literally be eventually to create a system where Chase and I could travel occasionally outside the U.S. because I think that would literally add more to the show. But to get to that kind of position, we've got to have something completely well, we, ironed in, and we've well, got to have yeah. funding at a level that we know is going to be sustainable for the long term, well, the higher echelons goals and things like that. But yeah. this goal we've now reached is building towards that. And it yeah. means if we do reach that, we can deliver on that. And I think yeah. that's going to be really important because I want to make sure that when we commit to something, we can deliver on it. So 
Man, I, well, I'm, well, I'm massively excited. I mean, we're, we're making the stages because obviously, once we take this show on the road, and you know, we're gonna be gone for a couple of days here, a couple of days there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's when I have to make decisions because right now my job will probably not really allow that. Oh yeah, yeah, go ahead, take three days here, four days, whatever. You know, you know it's it's crazy. We, but even if we can't, I mean, that's all down the road. But even totally down the road. Initially, I could even see testing like over uh, a weekend. Yeah, and heading down to or, Portland, right? Or uh, I mean, you're going to hate this idea, but I go somewhere and you stay here, and I Skype back in and try to do this or something like that. Like we, there's, I think we could work out multiple have, setups. You know, I also have a dream. You want to hear you my? You could dream? travel. I mean, you could already do that. It's yeah. easy for you to travel because you don't have to do the clipping. But yeah, but you know what? I have a dream. Here's my dream. Uh, my dream. Have a dream. My fellow Americans. No, when we go and do these uh, trips, that we actually do a little gathering of news. Like we interview a, a local politician. We go out and we go visit maybe the mayor of this city mm-hmm. and ask him what he feels about some of these important issues that are happening. I am I am most looking forward to sort of getting different perspectives, getting like outside the Pacific Northwest and going out there, talking to folks. I mean, really, I'm most interested in like getting farther away. Like the West Coast will be for testing. Yeah. But then eventually I want to go to the East Coast and no. then eventually from the East Coast. International. To- exactly. Yeah. But I think the first step is a west coast trip and yep. and then the next step will be an east coast trip and then the step after that is international and now at this stage i'm going to begin the process of doing that uh, and i don't exactly know how that'll look because i've got to figure out a good system to mobily capture video but i'm going to begin the research process of that. i've got a few ideas i've been I, thinking I, about this we, we've been chatting about yeah. these ideas and actually you know it's kind of funny i did a a little test of a mobile rig yeah. i don't know if you remember at ces i had a macbook pro and what we did is we had a couple of uh video cameras set up into a small little mixer. We were completely mobile. We had a, uh, a wi- Wi-Fi mobile hotspot that we set up in the car. We were on LTE, and we were able to stream a live video interview at CES in the car. It worked great. Mobile rig. Audio was awesome. We did the whole I'm not thing. Even, I'm not even so much talking about that aspect of it. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about what is the most technically challenging aspect of this show is the actual clip ingestion process. Yeah. Because it, it right now is four satellite XM feeds, and then there's a service I'm using to capture TV that I don't really want to say on air because I don't want them to shut me down. Right. But there's a service I use that comes in over the internet right now uh, that I use to pull off video clips, and then it's a combination then of finding internet sources and things like that. The internet sources are such a small percentage that to get that broadcast piece down right, I, I, I've got some work, but I've also been working on well i don't want to go too far we should move on but and you know and i've been working on some capture to our local nas and then i would essentially from <laughs> that pull from that on the road and do my clipping from that and, and to be fair you know uh, angela which is uh, the wife of mr chris here in our lovely chat room say all she hears is dollars but you know it is expensive it's very very expensive it but it's one of those things that you guys through your support we can make some impossible things possible and if you can't be an unfiltered patron which you can do by going over to patreon.com slash unfilter and becoming a patron. We have several different pledge levels, including, uh, you know, various levels that are a way to say thank you. And then eventually we'll be opening up additional levels for swag. They're not open right yet, but we do have something now, that's available yeah. to everybody. Chase. Now I was going to say, Chris, we have, uh, you know, obviously we had one special announcement where, you know, if we got to 2,500, we would, we would unlock things. However, we now have a second additional unlocked announcement. Da, 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 
the Unfilter Episode 100 t-shirt. There it is. What? Part two and of hoodie. our $2,500 milestone is we are opening up the first swag item. So if you're in the Unfilter Swag Club, what? You're, you've probably already been in some conversations with Angela. She's probably already coordinating with you. Uh, we've got over at Patreon, teespring.com slash Unfilter 100. What? Clever, right? Oh, wow. Go figure that Unfilter one out. Unfilter 100. We've got... Uh, hoodies available. We've got T-shirts available. We've got long sleeve shirts available, different colors. Uh, Angela's picked out some really great stuff here. She's done some good oh, work on this. I, I, man, here's the problem, you guys. First off, I love these shirts. I love them so much. But a lot of you guys may not realize I am six six. <laughs> yes, you I'm are. I'm a tall guy. You're a big guy. And unfortunately, a lot of this stuff doesn't fit too well because I'm a tall guy. But man, these are beautiful, awesome stuff. Here's the hoodie here. Uh, here's the the long sleeve shirt, which just looks phenomenal. Uh, basically, you guys, the, it's the Unfilter logo with 100 there in the bottom yep. bar. A limited looks, time Unfilter 100 shirt where uh, we, where we put the special edition 100 right there in the bottom bar. And this uh, looks so good. I love this stuff. And I, you know, I'm I'm yeah. Turned out great, huh? I, I believe they're beautiful. And by the way, you guys, you're gonna love this. Our goal. 133. That's right, buddy. Yeah. There is 13 days, 5 hours, and 23 minutes as of this here broadcast to grab yourself an Unfilter 100 shirt. And uh, I think this is a great way, if you don't want to get on a monthly thing, but you'd like to get yourself a little something and support the show, yeah. a great way to go. Teespring.com slash Unfilter 100. And we'll also have a link about midway down in the show. I'm going to really hug this shirt. I'm going to hug this lot. I'm getting the shirt. It's good. It's done. I already have like the Unfilter the new logo, yep. long sleeve shirt, and that shirt's beautiful. That actually the new worked. Jupiter Broadcasting logo. Oh shirt. yeah, yep, yep, yep. I love it. You know, you look you look quite dapper in that shirt. Actually, thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. So this is great, you guys. Check it out. Teespring.com/slash/unfilter100. Thanks everybody, and we just sold our first shirt. There you go. Oh, boop. Bob's your uncle. Is that what you say? Uh, Bob's your uncle. Teespring.com slash unfilter100. Get some limited time Jupiter swag. It's only going to be available for about two weeks. So, uh, not next week, but the week after when Unfilter's on the air. The sale is over, so you got to get in while you can. So, uh, Chase, if yes, I said Chris. the name to you, mm-hmm. Bo, Derek, no, sorry, I that was uh, last name starts with a B. Does it ring a bell? Bo Burton, Bergdahl. Oh, Bergdahl. Yeah, that Have that you guy. Heard of this guy? Yes, that guy yeah, who if, was. If, uh, if you missed it, rescued. Right, you've or got a prisoner buddy. exchange. If you missed it, I'll bring you up to date right here. Thank you. And a Fox News alert. Continuing our coverage now on the release of the captive U.S. soldier in Afghanistan. As we have been reporting, Army Sergeant Bo Bergdahl, who had been held by the Taliban since 2009, he has been released. Today, President Obama announced that Bergdahl will be coming home in a prisoner swap. That surprise handover occurred after there were negotiations for that swap with the nation of Qatar acting as the intermediary with the Taliban. In exchange for Bergdahl's freedom, we are giving the Taliban five Gitmo detainees. All right. So some interesting things about this. Uh, Based on uh, all of the feeds that I've been listening to, this actually seems to have happened in a very compressed amount of time. Yeah. And Qatar was a absolutely a central role in this uh, keeping uh, what they say uh, contact with it, with them in a 24 hour around the clock period however there has been some very strong negative reaction to this prisoner swap and the release of Bo by keeping its promise to not leave any American behind on the battlefield the Obama administration says it has kept the faith with our troops but a growing course of lawmakers is tonight asking at what cost 
looks to me like a deserter or a traitor or, or both, and why the Obama administration would give away five terrorists to get him back is kind of beyond me. The idea that these guys are going to Qatar and Qatar's going to make sure they never get out to attack us after they we know that they've attacked us or been involved in attacks on us. We know that we jail them and they're, I'm sure they're not happy about that. So, you know, he's putting us in jeopardy, is he not? It is pretty obvious that we have never done this before. And now we have set a precedent. The president has set a precedent. We have never done this before. We, you mean we've never negotiated with for hostages? With terrorists. We've never done this we've before. We've never done that before. Never done this before. Never? Now, uh, really? people are pretty dumbfounded that Obama did this. Uh, Abby, your girl, will remind us that it's actually part of our commitment to our soldiers that we will come rescue them with any within any means reasonable. I have the actual code in the show notes if you guys want to check it out. It's in there. It's the military doctrine. It's, you know, it's essentially it is our commitment to our troops that if you become a prisoner of war, we will do anything reasonable to come help you. Interestingly, this entire mainstream debate seems to be ignoring the fact that the U.S. military code of conduct states that the government will use any practical means to contact, support, and gain the release of prisoners of war. So we have this element of it that does make some sense. But there's this other twist. These prisoners were released from Guantanamo. And there is a law in place saying that you must provide Congress with 30 days notice before you do a prisoner Guantanamo transfer. So that way they can review the national security implications of that transfer. So the implication here is perhaps Obama and the Obama administration violated the law. And the problem with that is on its face of it, because you're rescuing a soldier, it's not on the face of it that indefensible. But then the story around Bergdahl seems to start falling apart rather quickly that makes one question why we went to this effort. Bergdahl, an outdoorsman and skilled marksman, enlisted in the Army while living in a small town in Idaho. He was homeschooled, and he also loved ballet. In the beginning, fellow soldiers say he was thought of as a good soldier, although different. He was a little odd, uh, but not in an alarming way. Uh, he, he didn't have a cell phone. Um, he didn't watch TV or watch movies. Um, he just read a lot of books and he studied uh, several languages. Kind of a weird guy, man. He didn't watch a lot of TV. Wow, and uh, uh, you know, I don't watch a lot of TV. Um, Except for Top Gear, is that too much? However, there were some signs that things were not quite right from the start. When he arrived in Afghanistan in 2009, he quickly made it known he wasn't happy with America's role in the war. He was very upset with um, like the, the Army's focus on how we were handling the war. It was within two months of his arrival in the war zone that fellow soldiers say he walked away from post looking for the Taliban, his weapon and body armor left behind. But worse, they say, the subsequent search costing at least six American lives. All right, so there, the media is framing like this is a possibility that he did this. This is unquestioned. Uh, we've gotten emails into the show from people involved in the situation who have told us this guy walked away yes. before this was even a national story, and now you hear this. It, this guy walked away from his post. He walked away, he left himself unarmed, and he wanted to leave because he did not support the war, and he got himself captured. And then when they went to go save his ass, six people died. So now the question is, is this going to go scot-free, or will Will he be questioned about this? 
The nation's top-ranking military officer, Joint Chiefs Chairman Martin Dempsey, pledged on his Facebook page the Army will not look away from misconduct if it occurred. And the Secretary of the Army, John McHugh, promised a comprehensive review that will include speaking with Sergeant Bergdahl to better learn from him the circumstances of his disappearance and captivity. A lot already has been learned from former members of his unit. I believe this was a premeditated desertion. Cody Full was at the observation post on this hill with Bergdahl and went searching for him when he went missing, questioning the local villagers. A teacher and a clergyman said that they did see an American earlier that morning uh, by himself. He fit Bergdahl's description. They said he was crawling on his stomach uh, through the weeds. Neither Full nor any of the other soldiers speaking out on television and on the Internet know the answer to a question only Bergdahl can answer. Why, why did you leave us? Why did you leave your fellow Americans? Like what, uh, we, just, we, were, we, want, we want to know why he left. It's, it's straight-up desertion. It's, it's, it's walking away from the bond of brotherhood that is sacred on the battlefield. So I have additional clips um, in the uh, supporters' overtime sync folder. Yeah, that talks about uh, how when so the way this exchange happened, Chase is uh, U.S. special forces landed on the Afghanistan-Pakistan border, and uh, the Taliban was on the Pakistan side, and it all happened within a few seconds. And we had drones hovering over, and we landed down one of our one of our helicopters. Special force units ran out. The Taliban came out. They gave us one of boat. them. Had, one of them had a white flag with them as they were walking out with him. And the other one had an iPad that he was right. taking pictures. No, I don't know. Uh, well, and, no, they, but they did take yeah. video. Yes. They took video they of this. Did. Yeah. They did. And uh, when so here's what's interesting is according to the rescuers on the ground, Bo immediately started asking them questions and talking to them. Talking to whom? The, to, the rest, to the special forces. Oh, okay. And then when he got in the helicopter, because the noise was so bad and he didn't have ear cuffs, he wrote on a white uh, piece of uh, plate, a paper plate, SF question mark are you special forces communicating with them yes we are special forces now he's being held in a hospital in Germany his folks are not allowed to see him and they say he cannot properly speak English yet the special forces guys say he was talking to them Ooh. and what's interesting about that oh, is the guy man. that was in the the guy that was in the POW camp with McCain was interviewed by CNN and he talked about how, like, the first thing they wanted to do after five, more than five years, was talk to their family. That was like they were desperate to do that. Number it's, one. It's very interesting how that's not happening. And I don't know what the reason is for it. Do you it. think I, they're trying to debrief him uh, based on since he was with the Taliban and they're um, trying to get security information? No, and, no I don't. Uh, I think what it is is uh, – uh, is it okay if I – can I fry a little bacon? Do you mind? Uh, abs- if I- you know, this is episode 100. We can do a double a dose of bacon. No, this- the other bacon was in the supporter show. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, we're doing a double dose. Well, they're getting the supporter show, so they'll know that. So here's what I. By think. the way, uh, this bacon came from Barstow, California. I have I have a question for you, Chase. Yes. And it's related to the military. Is there a scandal you can think of that the Obama administration is currently stuck in the middle of that is extremely embarrassing and also damaging to the repeated often mantra, we support our troops? Can you think of a conspiracy that has been brewing because of all of the troops we have coming home that, from the wars <laughs> that is a disgrace for all Americans that we have bared that is beginning more and more attention recently that the Obama right. administration would be desperate to take the limelight away from? Uh, Can you think of a controversy that has been does it have, start does it start with the letter B? Benghazi? No, oh, that's good. That's good. That's good, but you didn't follow me. So no. I know. The VA scandal. Oh, that yeah. 
this this VA the problem with the kind of thing about the VA scandal yeah. is this is fundamentally one of those things where it is a real demonstration of how we don't care for these people that we send yeah. into combat for us yeah. and it is extremely damaging you know to these politics it's extremely damaging and so if they can even and now now nobody's talking about the VA we're all talking about Bo we're all talking about if he's a deserter so this, the was, entire a, this conversation. was a huge distraction and, yes and that's why they rushed it that's why they didn't get the 30 day approval that's why they're claiming he can't speak English because they have to demonstrate that he was so close to death that they had to go rescue him right away so they're keeping him locked up in a hospital that way nobody can see what his wow. true condition is and now nobody is talking about the VA scandal and not only that but the week that they announced this the day before Jay Carney resigns now tell me that's not related oh He's been the press secretary for five wow. and a half years this guy was going immediately it was leaked that he was a deserter this is not a revelation. This was purposely put out but into the media to discuss the fact that we just I spent all this effort on a deserter. I have one asterisk to add to your your possible conspiracy bacon here. If that's the case, and they did this as a huge distraction to detract our attention from the VA situation, yes, and they knowingly bypassed Congress approval because of the prisoner transfer act, because of the urgency of the situation, doesn't negate the fact. It, oh, it was urgent. That's why I sped, officer, because it was urgent for me to get home and let my dog out. Well, doesn't matter. It's still a law was broken. It doesn't give them permission. A law was still broken. They still need to be investigated for it. Why would they risk such a huge high-profile situation to detract from the other high-profile situation? Oh, gosh, this is so easy. Because in the court of public opinion, you're never going to be condemned for going the extra mile for bringing one of our guys home. At the end of the day, regardless of the— you for the VA, though, right? Yes. Yeah, of course. And regardless of what what legal status is— you brought somebody home from a prison. You brought a prisoner of war home in history's book and in public opinion. You're not going to get dinged for that, regardless of the of the legal ramifications. And you're not going to you're not going to. I mean, what is what is the end goal of the right here? Oh, Obama, you shouldn't have brought this guy home. You can only play that up so far. By yeah. law, any transfer of Guantanamo Bay detainees has to be in the best national security interest of the country. And Congress is supposed to get 30 days notice. But when the president signed the bill that restricted prisoner transfers, he maintained the right to act quickly if needed. He consulted with his national security council on this. Uh, we were unanimous that this was the responsible right thing uh, uh, to do. So what they just said is that when they signed this, uh, you know, we're not going to we're not going to uh, shut down Guantanamo. Obama had a little signing thing on there where he says, OK, but an emergency, I can move people out. All right. Secretary of Defense Chuck Hagel, who approved of the plan, was in Afghanistan Sunday where he met with and thanked the special operations forces who conducted the exchange. Hagel said they had to move fast. Sergeant Bergdahl's safety and health uh, were both in jeopardy and in particular his health deteriorating. And I don't doubt that at all. But I also would probably believe that was the same exact case for the last five effing years. But Republican Mike Rogers, chairman of the House Intelligence uh, Committee, your buddy, says Congress should have been notified and that the trade sets a dangerous precedent. You've sent a message to every al-Qaeda group in the world that says, by the way, who are some who are holding U.S. hostages today, that there is some value now in that hostage in a way that they didn't have before. 
Rogers and Armed Services Committee Chairman Buck McKeon both said this weekend they believe the president violated the notification law. CBS News has learned multiple committees in the Republican-led House are now considering hearings or investigations. Here it becomes election year politicians. Hey, you know, Chris, I, uh, a very wise man told me once it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. That's true. And I want to, I, you know, uh, I want to come back to that here in a second. Uh, however, I want to play a little bit for a clip here that I believe supports my theory that this was irrationally rushed. And it was, I think, so they've been, here's the thing, they've been getting videos of this guy from the Taliban for a while that haven't been released to the public. The Obama administration has been receiving videos from the Taliban. So they thought this was a great story. They didn't do a, a background check? or No, they've known, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. When no. they decided to make this, they knew of the allegations that he was a deserter. Oh, okay, all right. They absolutely knew. The Obama administration knew at the time. But the thing is, they've been getting these video clips, so they've known what his status is for a while. Right. Um, but I suspect... Because get this. Okay, so here's one of the arguments is they couldn't notify Congress because they were worried about operational security, right? They couldn't they couldn't they couldn't violate operational security because at the end of the day, if they're gonna pull this off and do this exchange, there could be no leaks. So that's why that's why the Obama administration couldn't tell Congress. The problem is your buddy, Mike Morell, points out the flaw in this logic because to date, Obama's most top secret and politically important military operation ever was pre-warned to Congress. What about, Mike, the White House not informing Congress beforehand, saying it had operational security concerns? What about that? Now, this is Mike Morell, former CIA deputy director in the CIA for over 25 years, good friend of Chase Nunes. <laughs> Obviously, operational security is paramount. Uh, but, Maurice, there are ways to inform Congress uh, in a secure way. Uh, a great example of that is before the bin Laden raid, um, we informed uh, the leadership of both intelligence uh, committees about what was going to happen. So there are ways to do it in a secure way that protects operational uh, security. So you're telling me that we were able to pre-warn over the bin Laden strike, one of, obviously, the most important political moves of, the Obama, of Obama's entire presidency. In that circumstance, operational security wasn't threatened by warning Congress, but yeah. rescuing this prisoner of war through our third-party uh, Cutter uh, representatives, that was so delicate we couldn't pre-warn Congress. Well, that, you know, not to feed—I don't want to turn this into a conspiracy episode, but that's that's only assumes, uh, Chris, that uh, Obama—or, I'm sorry, Osama—see, I, I did it. Osama bin Laden was actually Oh, jeez, Chase. Not not now. I know. No, that's a whole other episode. I'm just, I'm, by the way, you guys, but you're I'm just right. messing. I, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> All right. So oh, uh, now, now that's okay. All right. Yeah, there's the other element to this. Is it, Think about this rationally. We're holding these guys in here under no legal authority. They have not gone that's through a true. legal process. That's we, why they're in Cuba, by the way. We can't bring them to New York and try them. So we eventually... Had to get rid of these guys anyways. Don't believe me? Ask this former Bush administration guy. You worked for President Bush, George W. Bush, for what, eight Nunes. years, right? That's right. I well, was what, president at the creation of what, Guantanamo. What would he have done if, uh, if they would have told him, Mr. President, the Secretary of Defense, we can get this American POW out of Afghanistan or Pakistan, wherever he was being held, but we got to release these five Taliban detainees from Gitmo. What do you think President Bush would have done? Well, it's hard to say, but, you know, I, I don't think eight years ago, you know, we would have made this deal. Uh, but here we are now with 
the end of combat operations, uh, potentially the end of the conflict in Afghanistan coming up pretty soon. The Bush administration did return more than 100 uh, Afghan detainees, Taliban during our time. Admittedly, you know, those were low-level foot soldiers. These are much more senior people, and I don't mean to, uh, uh, to limit that. But we're getting to the end of the conflict here. The, unlike the al-Qaeda detainees in Guantanamo, who I think are not going anywhere soon, you know, these Taliban leaders, I think, were likely to have to be returned sometime soon. That's the reality of it. You know, uh, I always keep an eye on the chat room during our shows. And uh, one thing I, I don't understand is they, they call Bergdahl a POW. Prisoner of war, yeah. Was war ever officially declared? Well, we do say the war in Afghanistan. That is what a common, you know. Well, we also say the war on terror, but yeah, has was there, there been... actually a declaration of war? I don't no, think so. I don't believe no. there was. No, but they're using an official declaration we, we... of uh, that he's a POW. Well, some people think he's, some people don't think he's a POW. Some people right. think he was a deserter that got captured. Now, the other thing that I find interesting about this whole thing is you heard it in our clips earlier. This is a new precedent. Negotiating with terrorists is not something the United States of America does. We do not negotiate with terrorists, right? We don't do that. No, we don't. Never do we do that ever. Uh, Chris. I'm sorry, that's not exactly accurate. Oh, really? Yeah, for example, after the North Koreans captured the USS Pueblo in 1968, oh, I remember that, uh, yeah. President then Lyndon Johnson apologized sure. for spying as part of the negotiations to secure the re- release of not five prisoners, no, 83 American prisoners. Oh. Yeah, uh, also, Chris, uh, during the Iran hostage crisis, you probably remember this yeah, one, the sure. big one, 7981, uh, yeah. President Jimmy Carter agreed right. to unfreeze eight billion dollars in frozen Iranian assets after more than a year of negotiations? Uh, with Iranian terrorists? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Oh, by the way, That's let's... That's probably it, though, right? No, no, no. Let's actually do something a little bit more current. How okay. about our good friend of the show? Yeah. President Bill Clinton. Oh, yeah. His administration sat down with Hamas in attempts to negotiate peace with Israel. His administration also worked directly with the Taliban for nearly two decades on several occasions to see if the group would hand over Osama bin Laden and other al-Qaeda leader. And of course, I can't forget the number one most famous negotiation number with terrorists one. that led to Iran-Contra when Ronald Reagan traded arms, traded arms, gave them guns to get released. Hey, Chris. Gave them guns. Give these people guns. And guess what? Those very guns were then used to take more American hostages. Yep. So bullshit that we don't negotiate with terrorists. Do it's it despicable. all the time. Exactly. Um, in fact, it's the number one way, according to Mike Rogers, the Taliban makes money is by uh, negotiate, negotiating with terrorists. Uh, we have links to that stuff in the show notes if you guys want to read up on that. On your own, you can. Um, and I don't want to be – I mean, I know we're coming at this from a lot of conspiracy angles here. But I know. Abby points out something that we're totally missing because we're all just too busy talking about Bo. What am I missing? And while MSM anchors lash onto the sensationalist drivel about this soldier being an anti-American traitor, you won't hear them analyzing his words and the horrors he saw that made him desert in the first place. But that's not all the corporate media is ignoring. See, today, the Supreme Court rejected a very important case by New York Times reporter James Risen. The highest court in the land refused to hear Risen's appeal, paving the way for the Justice Department to prosecute the journalist for refusing to testify against an alleged source in his book. See, reporters have always had the right to protect their sources. In fact, that's the foundation of investigative journalism. This decision sends a clear message to journalists everywhere that Obama's war on whistleblowers and the press at large is on full blast. 
You know, you would hope that this unprecedented crackdown on press freedom would deeply concern even mainstream anchors, but I guess stenographers don't have much to worry about. Oh, so uh, this guy who was trying to protect his source in the CIA, uh, he's been shut down. This is a huge this the Obama administration's attack on journalism continues to a massive degree. And uh, that entire thing has gone under the radar. And I continue, just like Abby mentioned, to be amazed that those MFers over at CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and NBC News and ABC find no reason to talk about the fact that there is literally an attack on journalism right now. There is. Huge one right now. They're trying to shut down any kind of independent thought, any kind of freedom of information. And I'm not talking about the act here. I'm just talking about general freedom of information. They want it to be controlled from them, from their press secretary, from their ideals. And that's why this is one of the reasons why we do this show. All right, Chase. There's a lot going on in the Ukraine this week. I think we're going to have to pass over it, though, because we're running a little long. But Um, you you know what, Chris, though? hmm. Sometimes, you know, after a long day of unfilter, it's sometimes good to end on a high note. That's right, Chase. So I got a little I got a little bit of downer news. We'll start with this, yeah. and then we'll go into the good news. Okay. All right, sounds good. A horrific scene on Highway 2. A crash sends nine people to the hospital, and many of the injured are children. I just pray they all come through. A total of five vehicles were involved in the pileup tonight. Highway 2 is still shut down in both directions, but is expected to reopen soon. The collision happened at mile marker 17. That's between Monroe and Sultan. Now, they don't actually say in the report, but in the headline there, they don't ever actually say it, but the headline very clearly states it. Driver smoked pot before the pileup. Like 12 hours before the pileup. Yeah, so the driver, basically what happened was, uh, as part of the investigation, the Washington State Patrol searched the vehicle, and they found a pipe, a broken (laughs) pipe in the floor of the car, and the driver admitted to officers that she smoked a bowl that morning. This accident occurred about 6.30 in the evening-ish. Uh, now, the other thing, by the way, there are five children in this vehicle, okay, including herself. Now, this, I believe, was a blazer um, that only has five sets of seatbelts. So you do the math there. Hold on a second. Yeah. What now? This vehicle, she was with five kids. Five kids. Yeah. Okay. And her. Yeah. What's five plus one, Chris? Well, that would be six. Right. And how many sets of seatbelts? Five. So one person wasn't wearing a seatbelt, obviously. So are, are, or if you, not are one. you implying that she just makes bad personal choices? Chase? I'm just saying that pot, first off, whether it be pot, whether it be uh, drinking, whether it be illegal drugs currently, cocaine, meth, I, whatever, you know, it all comes down to personal and driver responsibility here. And you notice how this headline is framed. This yeah. headline is framed right. to say, hey, well, the, the driver smoked pot. Well, that's why this accident occurred. Right. It has nothing to do with the fact. But, I mean, if she had had a beer 12 hours ago, it would have nothing to do with this crash. Right. I mean, the two, it's just, it, I don't get why, why draw special attention. You know, it's like saying, yeah, Chase got an accident today and he had a beer yesterday. It, they don't do that when it comes to alcohol. And I don't quite understand if that's because those guys buy advertising and they buy politicians and nobody's doing that from the cannabis side. Or if it's because it's new and attention grabbing, it might just be because putting pot in the headline gets clicks. I mean, I don't really know what it is. Right. And it's not like she bought that pot from a legal store and bought that pipe from a legal store because there aren't any in the state of Washington. No, not yet. No, no. So I don't quite get how it works. I don't I don't get it. I don't like it. Uh, yeah, I believe bail, by the way, was set at uh, it's not in this article. I'm just going off of memory. 
Uh, but I believe Bay will set it at $100,000. This is kind of a funny story. Uh, Maureen Dowd, she's a uh, reporter for the New York Times. She decided to fly over to uh, Colorado. And, you know, this is a great example of New York Times journalism. So she, she lands in Colorado, Chase. She goes to a weed store. And you know what she does? She buys herself. She's never tried cannabis in her life she buys herself a full-on pot candy bar eats the pot candy bar and then trips balls in her hotel room and then writes about it she said for an hour i felt nothing but then i felt a scary shuttle go through my body and my brain i barely made it to the desk and then to the bed where i laid curled up in a hallucinatory state for the next eight hours I had been convinced that I had died, and no one had told me. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, hey, lady, don't eat a whole pot bar. Jeez Louise. Um, all right, and then last but not least, actually, no, this is second to last, Colorado, get ready for this, $19 million in the month of March. 1.9 is going to the schools, and crime is down 10%. Yes, $19 million. And by the way, that's not even including the revenue from medical, which is already beyond that. That's, wow. incre- that's incredible. Yeah. Why can't our state we will. and other states? They will. I mean, these kind of success numbers, they will. And states like ours on the West, I bet we'll do better than Colorado does. That's right. just, I'm just here, saying, here, here's, here's I what, think we can sm- outsmoke right. Colorado. So, so here's what I want here. Here's what I want. I, anybody who listens to the show who's from Colorado... Right now, we're finding a lot of stories here in the state of Washington. Obviously, we keep we, we, have, we have we have our ears really open because we're here local. There must be the same thing. This got to be happening yeah. there in your state. So, if you are in Colorado and these similar stories are happening, where yeah. they're talking about hash oil and hey, they're talking about major if, accidents. If you're in Colorado and your local news uh, posts like stories on their website, like video embeds and stuff, send please. us a link. Yeah. We can grab the audio yeah. from unfiltered.jupiterbroadcasting.com. Yep, please. or uh, submit it to unfiltered.reddit.com. Oh, That's, look at that trend! Look at you. I would probably be more likely to see it there. One last clip, and then we'll get out of here. I know we're getting really long, but... uh, Hey, it's uh, the Centennial Edition. I know, that's what I figured. House Republicans are signaling support, actually, to help uh, states implement medical marijuana. What? Early this morning, House Republicans signaled support for state medical marijuana laws. Lawmakers voted in favor of blocking the federal government from interfering with the states that allow medicinal pot. Almost half the states have legalized pot for medical use. Yeah, I think that's a pretty big move, actually. Uh, it's it's interesting wow. that they're kind of getting out of the way. It's not anything other than really that, uh, but it's passing right now by uh, a pretty high margin. And the ratio of Americans in favor of medical marijuana right now sits at 73%, according to a brand new Pew Research. All right, Chris, I hate to be uh, kind of a you know negative guy. Debbie Downer, you can say it. Uh, is, you sure this is not a political thing? This is where, you know, obviously they, 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 they hear that a lot of people hmm. like this and they go, hey, you know, election year coming up. Yeah, maybe. I could say, hey, you know, we push Miracle Marijuana through because you know, this is a good thing. I could see that. Yeah. I could totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although I will say some of the biggest stoners I know are pretty hard on the right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I, you know, doesn't mean just because you're just because you're uh, conservative doesn't mean you don't smoke. Oh, uh, you know, Eric brings up a great point in the chat. What's that? The current establishment probably did smoke a lot of pot in the 60s. <laughs> Good point, Eric. Hey, Eric. Good point. Good point. All right, Chase. Is there anything else we want to cover before we get out of here today? Man, we got so much. You know, there's even more. You know, if you didn't have time to get through the show today, you know, become a patron. You get all that great stuff. But we're going to release a lot. But you can always head over to the Unfiltered subreddit page at unfiltered.reddit.com. This is where you can vote up stories, vote down stories. And a lot of you have been jumping on board. 
and and talking about the issues that are going on. Yeah, it's a great way to sort of give us an idea of what you guys want to see featured in the show, engage in the conversation. Comments are always valuable, too, because I'd like to hear your insights on it. And also just voting will help us take the temperature of what you guys want to see. And if you see something interesting, submit it to unfiltered.reddit.com, and it just might make it into a future episode of the Unfiltered Show. Yeah, by the way, Rusty Reddit, thanks for the Unfiltered Bitcoin donation, by the way. I saw the posting yeah, there. That was that awesome? awesome. Rocking the Bitcoin. It's coming back. We talked about it this week on Tech Talk Today, episode number two. I was just going to say, where can people follow you maybe oh, to find out about that Tech sure. Talk Today? Sure. You could go to twitter.com slash chrisellias, where I have tweeted about the brand new show called Tech Talk Today. That is impressive. Thank Look you, sir. That. Are you on Twitter, Chase? Yeah, I do that. I, you know, As a bonus to the people who follow, oh, okay. I give them three additional characters, nice. because my name is at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. Very good, sir. Very good. Good. Now, you yeah. wouldn't be doing anything else that I could find on the internet, maybe through like a website or a web browser. Boom, Geek Gamer TV. Jeez. Yeah, GeekGamer.tv is the place to go. We just talked about our predictions for WWDC on the last episode. It was a great one. Uh, we made some predictions. We were hey, off. That Well, really? That's funny. <laughs> uh, you'll tell me in the post show. That Dropbox yeah. episode with the Minecraft savings is a great idea. Yeah, it was yeah. very good. A lot of fun. And too. we do that every week, every Thursday and Sunday. There you go. Yeah. And uh, don't forget, we'd love to have you join us live over at jblive.tv. We do this show on a Wednesday. You can find out more at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. And by more, I mean in your time zone. Want to remind all you guys about our Patreon, patreon.com slash unfiltered. That's how you can support the show about the news you need to know. And our episode 100 shirt. Limited time, Chase. Teespring.com slash unfilter 100. Chris, well, guess what? That was 100. That's it. The century right there. That's done. Now we can drop the mic. Yep, and then we can see you right back here next, next week. week. Yeah! Yeah! 100 yeah! All right, we got to go to jbtitles.com and name this thing. Uh, Blue Phoenix, uh, you know, with the the deep pocketbooks of Microsoft and how they really want to recapture some of those sales for the Xbox One, I would not be surprised. All right, so what was the biggest prediction for WWDC that you got wrong? That they would announce some hardware. Oh, yeah, I got that wrong, too. You want to turn the fan back on? You can. Yeah. Snowden's Snow Blind, 100 proof. That's funny. JBTitles.com, Chatroom. Let's go boat. Uh, well, thanks. You know, I'm sorry we had to cut the Ukraine stuff, guys, but there's a great clip in the supporters' BitTorrent sync if you want to watch it. And we have uh, also some info. So, Chase, get this. The Ukrainian government sent in some air support, and we're shooting up people. Like, there's this whole—I got pictures in the show notes. It's crazy. Uh, and so there's, like, a bunch of— uh, Russian militants that are dead. I mean, the S is getting nuts. The fan has been hit. Oh, man. It's crazy. So we'll probably follow up on it next week. Uh, okay. All right. JimmyTitles.com. Or BangSuggest.com. BangSuggest, everybody. <laughs> wow, there's some great ones. So we got 100 proof. <laughs> I think it's for you and the, the Coke and tequila. Uh, the War on Truth. 100 Weeks. 100 leaks. Saving Private Bergdahl, e- even though he's a sergeant. But. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you see Snowden, say something. <laughs> if you see Snowden, Snowden say, say something. something.
War on Truth is really good. I know it's not going to get a lot of little juice, but it's not bad. I also like Saving Private Bergdahl. I think there would be some juice from that, too. Gosh, there's some good ones in here. Centennial Edition is my suggestion. Yeah, that's I know a, a lot one. of people want to send blankets or water. Uh, just send your just cash. Just send your cash. Ah. <laughs> uh. You know why they promoted him twice, Blue Phoenix? Come on, let's see if you get this one right. Why did they promote him? When in doubt... Consult the book of knowledge! Why, uh, why did they promote him, Blue Phoenix? And that right there... Oh, I probably shouldn't say because it, it gives it away. But that right there indicates that he wasn't just a traitor, but they considered him to be a... Prisoner of, of war. war. Yeah. Because you continue to get your promotions with your peers when you're a prisoner of war. And that right there means no. that the military classified him as a prisoner of war. And by the military code of conduct, they needed to do all things within reasonable yep. means to get him. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't about politics, Blue Phoenix. Chris beat me to the punch there. But additionally, it when he comes back, obviously, even though, let's say he gets found as a deserter or not found as a deserter, whatever the case may be, the higher in rank. And even though I think I heard a report that the White House was considering giving him another prom a promotion was because he would need that military pension for support for the rest of his life. War on Truth is currently number 12. It's not bad a title for our 100th episode. What was it again? War on Truth is not bad. No, not bad at all. Douchebag! <laughs> In the morning! You've been de-douched. Some great stuff, man. You've got karma. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, uh, hi, hi, Chris. You know, uh, 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 oh no, I need to do it like uh, Adam Curry. Uh, all right. WTC said it won't go away. <laughs> uh, uh, Frank wrote in. Uh, Frank says, "Hey guys, love the show. You know, this is my first time donating in, and uh, you know, I need a." Uh, I need a, a de-douching and, uh, in the morning, you guys. So let's go ahead and do that for you guys now. Here we go. Oh, oh uh, uh, okay. Uh, say that again to me, John. Say that again to me, John. Uh, needs a de-douche and uh, in the morning. Oh, douche. Oh, sorry. No, you meant de-douche. Oh, yeah, sorry. De Here you go. In the morning. You've been de-douched. Okay, and then what was the other one? Oh, no, he wanted an end of morning, too, by the way. Oh, jeez. Guys, forgot, you forgot about too that. many clips. In the morning. That was a pretty good reenactment. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> All right, jbtitles.com, jbtitles.com, jbtitles.com. Oh, yeah, someone wants to hear chemtrails. All right, let's, let's see. I don't know if this board has it. We'll see. Chemtrails. That is one of my favorites. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Chemtrails. Hey, I, I think, uh, hey, Chris, is. I see the little Skype icon bouncing up there in the tray. Oh, shit. Are, are, you, we, yeah, are I, you serious? Do you think it's uh I, Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead and I, uh, yeah, go ahead and pop it up. Are you sure? Yeah, go for it. All right, uh, hey, this is unfiltered. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, Mr. President. Hey. Hey Chase, I hope you don't mind. I gotta turn off your mic to bring Bill in. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Mr. I, I just used the toilet. Well, Mr. Clinton, welcome to uh, Unfilter 100. You I, just missed the show. I actually was hoping you'd call in a little earlier. I couldn't, you know, uh, you know, you know about that NSA stuff, but uh, 
I just want to say uh, you guys have been tremendous over the past 100 episodes. You know, uh, Hillary and I, we try to listen every single week. Thank you, Mr. President. I appreciate that. You know, you guys uh, you guys are, are providing a service to this, this great nation. Mr. And, President, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, I just wanted to let you know right. that uh, I got your text message. Yeah. Um, listen, uh, sometimes my wife sees those. So if you could stop sending me pictures of Monica's well, boobs, I... <laughs> Can you help it? I, I mean, here's... I the mean, thing. they were great. Chris, you I'm got not going to lie. You know how to pick them, Mr. President. <laughs> I, you know how to pick a nice Chris, pair of... What? Chris, I did not send those pictures to you. I never have. Not one time. Squirrel! What, what was that? If you see something, say something. Hey, we used to say that all the time. <laughs> but listen, uh, I got to go. All right, but Mr. I, President. I wanted you guys... To hear it from me uh, that, you know, when I become the first man in the White House, when I get to get back in there to my secret room, I think my stash might be there. And uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much. Oh, uh, uh, is this a I, I've been I've been in the chat room, by the way. Uh, Blyle Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to say uh, Hillary's doing great. Uh, she's never been better. And I really wish uh, I really wish the media would get off her back. Of course, of course. She's a tremendous woman. Well, we can't I, wait, and Mr. I President. And I love her. I I'm, love her so much. I uh, totally understand, Mr. President, and I can't wait for her to become uh, ruler of the new empire because I believe it'll give us endless amounts of clips for the show. Well, remember, vote for Hillary. All right, Mr. President, you have a good evening. You guys. Go oh, enjoy oh, your oh, ribs. By the way, uh, check out my barbecue website. It's www. Uh, Ah, crap, I don't remember. But anyway, just Google Bill Clinton ribs and you'll find it. Thanks so much, you guys. You guys have a great one. Take Oh, I heard you guys got a a, a Patreon. What, what, what? Is that yeah. some sort of? Yeah, yeah. You that, wanna, if you want to throw it, in. Is, I, is that a super pack or something? Kinda, it's kind of like a, it's like a viewer funded super pack. Oh, uh, very good. So, so I, I could contribute and no one would know. Well, I mean, you, isn't your, your, your user ID is Bubba on, uh. On Patreon, right? Because I know you've uh, you've been supporting well, it, uh, that Night Attack show. It, well, yeah, it's a uh, Bubalewinski. That's what I go with. That's clever. Thank you. It's a combination. I like That's that. That's right. Yeah. I would have picked up on that. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to order a shirt from you guys as well. Yeah, thank you. I'm going to wear it proudly around the house. Thank you. Teespring.com slash unfilter100, It'll Mr. make President. a great shirt when I'm doing barbecue. You bet. That's yeah. what I'm going to be using it for, yeah. too. Well, you guys, you guys are great. Uh, tell Chase uh, he's doing good. I will. He's, he's taking a poop, but I'll let him know. Sounds good. You guys have a great one. Take care, you guys. Good night, Mr. President. He's a jackass. Douchebag. Hey, Chase. Welcome back. Hey, hold so, on. So uh, we were just about to pick a title when you stepped away to poop. Uh, did, I, did I miss anything? Nope. Nothing. All right, cool. Hey, chat. Um, all right, so. We're uh, on truth now with 18 boats. I Saving th- Private Bergdahl is uh, number two at eight boats. I, I think we got to go War on Truth. We are a democracy here on the, the show. But what do I use for an image for War on Truth? Uh, Think about that. How do you how do you conceptualize that in some mother effing art, Chase? Oh, I, I, it's simple. You get uh, Senator John Kerry's image when he was testifying, and you put that. You up. think? Yeah, I think so. I'll, I'll look for that. That might be a good way to go. Yeah, young John Kerry. Okay, people will take a while to get it, but I think it, it could be good. Why, why are you guys talking about Bill Clinton in the chat? Oh, I um just mentioned what's going on in there. I just mentioned he's got a bar- he's got a barbecue thing he's doing. Someone says. Bill Clinton vegan? What's going on? No, no. Uh, uh, Bill Clinton's been pretending like he's a vegan, but he calls in and he talks about... I mean, uh, he posts on... I mean, shit. Um, oh, Chase, I got something to tell you. Yeah? 
when you step away to go to the bathroom, Bill yeah. Clinton calls in. And we talk about barbecue. <laughs> Bull crap. I'm telling you, Chase, no. I swear to God. He's got the unfiltered hotline. He calls in. What? I, I missed that? I, well, I mean, he wait, seems to just wait. time it. There is a way that I can listen to it, right? Well, you could go listen to the supporter show, yeah. You know, I'm going to go do that right now. You should. Wait, we, well, I can't do that now. No, we have to wrap it up first. Oh, well. oh okay. We can do that. All right. All so right. thank you, chat room, for joining us for episode 100. Thanks to everybody who's joined us on you a regular basis. We rock. really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back next week for 101. I like 101. And uh, now we know. I mean, I really feel like now we know at, at our current Patreon level, you guys are serious about this show. And I have to tell you, I mean, I, I wanna... this, is, this show, it's really exciting. It's really validating to know that other people out there are interested in the same stuff that we're concerned about. Well, you know, I'm, I'm looking at 253 of you. And, uh, you know, the greatest thing is, by the way, if you are an unfiltered patron, uh, one thing you might notice is once these shows get posted... Uh, a duplicate of this show also gets posted to the Unfiltered that is free, open, and public. On the Patreon page? On yep. the Patreon page. You can actually take that page and share it with anybody you'd like. And if they believe in what we're doing as well, they can contribute to the Patreon right, directly. A right there. Right there. Yeah. So thanks so much, you guys. Really do appreciate it. Really. You guys are awesome. Can I can I give them one other thing? Sure, yeah. Well, hold on. Yeah, uh, you might want to mute me real quick because I, I, I don't want to get you in trouble. Wait, mute you or mute me? Or both of us for just... Maybe a second. Really? Yeah. It's that, it's that top secret? Yeah, it's that top secret. All right, okay, all right. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's yeah, about it's, that. It's that big. Uh, so, uh, hey, you guys. Tell, these are our supporters. You can right, tell right, our supporters. Right, if it was anybody else, I would say no. I know. You guys are the supporters. Uh, a lot of you also been following other things that we've been doing here on Jupiter Broadcasting. So for the third and final big thing from episode 100, I wanted you guys to know that by Saturday, episode number one of How To Linux will be released and our Patreon page will be patreon.com slash Linux. Get it out of here. I'm dead serious. So make sure... You're keeping an eye on the Twitters. Mm-hmm. You're keeping an eye on things. We haven't said anything publicly yet. This because is the first time there is anywhere. Po- there's obviously anywhere. a possibility that you know things just don't come together. Right, the right. feeds don't get ready. Exactly. Art assets aren't you know ready or whatever it is. There's a possibility it won't launch, but it's so close, you guys. Yeah, it's very very close. We're doing our best to pull it together for this weekend. Uh, you know, we've had an incredible time getting episode one, two. Three, we're, we have all these plans for these first batch of episodes already in the in the can, so to speak. We have a lot of things we still need to do, but episode one should be out by this weekend. Keep an eye on the Twitters. Keep an eye out. It's not a guarantee. It's not, not totally locked, but it's not like a guarantee. It's essentially if every if everything works out, if things go smooth tomorrow and Friday, yeah, should have it. Should happen, and you know this is going to be the. Honestly, you thought Unfilter was the biggest show we've ever undertaken on Jupiter Broadcast. This is huge. Yeah. So you guys are going to love it. We've done a lot of hard work into it. Yeah. And, you know, really, it's, it, the Patreon system lets us kind of step the game up to the next level on yep. Unfilter. And really, Unfilter was existed before Patreon, and it was inappropriate. It was it was inappropriate to do it. It Unfilter has been... The, it was ahead of its time. The scope of Unfilter yeah. requires, you know, just a solid base level of funding. It is so much damn work. I mean, I thought by 100 episodes, I honestly thought by 100 episodes, I would have this thing down, but the truth is, that's just not the reality of the subject material. Yep. Uh, it just takes a shit ton of work, and so will How To Linux. Even more work than this show, but it's awesome, because with the crowdfunding system, we know we don't have to worry about a sponsor pulling out or something like that. We know we've got a stable base and we can we can make that leap 
Yeah. Hopefully, if we don't have it out by Saturday, it'll be close after that. So keep an eye out. Check my Twitter feed. Check the main website. You'll see it. Yeah. No, you guys, you guys rock. Uh, you know, this is one of the biggest undertakings we've we've ever we've ever done. Uh, especially want to say a big thanks to Angela and the kids. I mean, obviously, you know, with Chris having to be away from extra hours trying to get a new show off the ground, and you know, hey. Uh, big props to to the family as well, and big thanks to to Eric and the entire community uh, submitting some incredible ideas for some great content coming down the road. Uh, the best thing is the, the the you know the number one thing I'm happy about, Chris. What people can see me in my tech light. That's they true. can see in the me, tech angle. The tech angle because a lot of people. A lot of people think I'm just a political guy, and I'm not a tech dude. I I've been involved in technology nearly my entire life. And I cannot wait. And now I'm going to take my clothes off and get down. It's dancing. hot in here, Chase. It's Let's hot in it. here. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in episode 100. Hope Woo. to see you right back here next week. Yeah. Go. Bring it on down. 100. Oh, Go. Yeah. Go. 100. You Where's it at? Oh. Who's bad? Who's your bad? Who?